to the LA Public Health Podcast for Monday, April 12th, 2021. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Hilda Solis, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. To keep up with the latest updates and guidelines for slowing the spread of COVID-19, you can follow us across all social media at LA Public Health or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Supervisor Solis. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you. Uh, I'm Hilda Solis, Chair of Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. And again, I want to thank all of you for joining us today to hear about the county's effort to combat the ongoing coronavirus pandemic and our transition toward our new normal. Today, as you know, marks one week since we moved into the orange tier and four weeks since our county moved into the red tier. During that time, we've reopened businesses and a wide range of sectors across the county of LA, including restaurants, bars, movie theaters, fitness centers, libraries, retail, museums, and so much more. We've even started giving more opportunities to our children, welcoming them back to school in the classroom and expanding activities like youth sports. Despite these reopenings, we have managed to keep our case rate low and thus far avoided seeing an increase in our cases. I want to extend my heartfelt thanks to our residents, to our businesses, and our public health teams for working together and continuing the hard work needed to keep everybody safe. And as more activities become available, like live sports, amusement parks, and concerts, and indoor activities, I want to ask everyone to please keep the spirit of cooperation. With the governor's new announcement that the state will be reopening all sectors on June the 15th, hopefully we will have a real date to, uh, in sight where we can see the end of, of this pandemic. We just need to make sure, though, that we don't slip up before then. So let's make sure that we finish strong, that we continue wearing our masks, that we physically distance, and avoid indoor gatherings if you aren't vaccinated. Let's give everyone time also that they need over the coming months to get vaccinated so that they can protect themselves as well as their loved ones. Fortunately, our vaccination efforts here in the county continue to expand. And this Thursday, all county residents age 16 and above will be eligible for the vaccine. And I know in the first few weeks, vaccine supplies may be limited, so I urge you to please be patient. But as soon as you're able to get the vaccine, please go and get it. But whether it's the two-dose regimen of Pfizer or Moderna or the single shot, Johnson & Johnson, I want to stress that the best vaccine for you is the one you're offered as soon as you get it. But please also be reminded that only Pfizer uh, is available to those age 16 and 17. And once you're vaccinated, encourage your friends and loved ones, especially those who may still be hesitant in getting the vaccine to get vaccinated. But remember, you're not considered fully vaccinated until two weeks after your second Pfizer or Moderna shot and two weeks after your single Johnson & Johnson dose. By vaccinating as many people as possible and as quickly as we can, we'll put this pandemic behind us. Additionally, beginning this Wednesday, I wanted to announce, we'll be relocating the El Sereno vaccination site to Obregón Park in East Los Angeles in the first district. This will also 
allow us more daily capacity each day from 1,500 a day to 2,000 a day to vaccinate those who need it the most in these very impacted communities. And this, as you know, is very critical. As of April the 10th, only 35.9% of residents 16 plus and older in the first district and 32% of residents in the second district have been vaccinated compared to a countywide rate of 37.1%. For those who have easy access to vaccinations, please be mindful of those who have a more challenging time of accessing the vaccination because they either have to work long hours or they don't have access to the internet or may have other reasons. The vaccination centers in communities with lower vaccination rates are intended for those communities. Please honor that. These are the communities that have endured the most pain since the start of the pandemic. And the importance of vaccination for our communities most impacted could not be underscored enough. This is especially true given the rise of COVID-19 variants in Los Angeles County. Just this last week, uh, you heard that the first case of South African COVID-19 variant and three cases of the Brazilian P1 variant were found here in LA County. We know that these variants are dangerous and highly transmissible, but there is a lot that we don't know, which means we have to continue to be vigilant and our guards up. And although our case positivity rate is at an all-time low, we have seen that can change overnight. So please continue to do your part. And of course, I'm incredibly mindful of the fact that thousands in LA County or over half a million in the country this vaccine simply did not arrive in time. In LA County alone, over 23,000 residents lost their lives because of the terrible virus. And each of those lives represents more than a statistic. There are simply no words we can offer to ease the pain of their friends and their families throughout this pandemic. But on top of that, they shouldn't have to worry about significant costs that funeral services can carry. That's why I've authored a board motion directing the county departments to assess whether we could utilize federal funding to reimburse residents for funeral costs for those who lost someone to COVID. And today that partnership with the federal government is being launched to reimburse residents up to $9,000 for those who lost a loved one to COVID-19 retroactive to January 20, 2020. If you lost a loved one to COVID-19, you can apply for this financial relief through FEMA Disaster Relief website or call simply 844-684-6333. And as we further provide assistance for those struggling to keep themselves in their homes due to the financial fallout of the pandemic, today I wanna to highlight a county program that's starting on April the 12th, which will provide foreclosure prevention services. The program resulted in a motion authored by Supervisor Hahn and myself. When a foreclosure occurs, it impacts nearly every aspect of family life. Foreclosures causes displacement, hardship, housing instability, and could even lead to homelessness. And with that, it can also impact a family's mental health as well as a children's academic performance. And communities with high numbers of foreclosure often experience declines in property values and blighted neighborhoods and also abandonment. African-American and Latinx families have been the most impacted by the economic downturn due to the pandemic. That's why we're launching a program known as the Mortgage Relief Program, which can serve as a lifeline for families 
who are on the brink of losing their home. The program will provide foreclosure counseling and up to $20,000 in financial relief to Los Angeles County residents, excluding the city of Los Angeles. That ex experienced financial distress would have to have occurred between March 1st, 2020 to December 31st, 2020. Counseling will be provided by nonprofit HUD approved housing counseling agencies to homeowners in various languages. The program is available to owners of single family properties and small mom and pop landlords with two to four units, as long as the property owner occupies one of the units. They must also have annual household incomes of up to 80% of the area medium income for owners of one unit or up to 150% of the area medium income for owners of two to four units. Properties must be owner occupied and located in communities highly impacted by COVID-19. You must also demonstrate that you are an, that you are experienced at uh, that you have experienced a financial hardship, but are now financially stable and can make your mortgage payments. And however, I'd like to note, homeowners can obtain free counseling services regardless of whether or not they qualify for mortgage relief. You can contact our neighborhood housing services, LA County, to sign up for more information by calling 888-895-2647 or visiting nhslacounty.org. Thank you again for all your efforts to keep each other safe. And with, with that, I am now uh, honored to introduce Dr. Barbara Ferrer for the latest updates on our public health. Uh, thank you so much, Supervisor Solis, and to the entire Board of Supervisors, and good afternoon. As each week passes, we continue to make progress in our recovery and our efforts to vaccinate residents. And we're grateful for your leadership, Supervisor Solis, and all the work you do to protect the residents of LA County. Today, I'll share updates on COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, deaths, and outbreaks across our sectors. I'll also talk about the changes that are coming to the health officer order that will take effect on April 15th. And as always, give an update on our vaccine efforts and discuss concerns that are related to higher rates of mortality and lower rates of vaccinations among men in LA County. I'll start with our daily numbers. And as a reminder on Monday, lower case and death numbers reflect a delay in weekend reporting. I'll take the first slide. Uh, we're sad to report three additional deaths today, which brings the total number of deaths to 23,479 in LA County. Two people who passed away are between the ages of 50 and 64, and both had underlying health conditions. One person who died was between the ages of 30 and 49, and this person had no underlying health conditions. As always, I send my prayers to those who are experiencing grief. We're sending our love during this tragedy. We're reporting 411 new cases today, bringing the total number of cases in LA County to 1,226,191. These cases include 52,479 total cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and 11,169 cases reported by the city of Pasadena. There are 470 people currently hospitalized with COVID-19 and 24% of the people who are hospitalized are in the ICU. We've now investigated a total of 4,969 
residential congregant settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Currently, we have 92 ongoing investigations and we've closed 4,877 investigations. The total number of confirmed cases in institutional settings is 97,998. And this includes 40,683 among staff, among residents, and 57,315 among staff. To date, more than 6 million people have been tested and had test results reported in LA County. And our cumulative positivity rate is 18%. I'll take the next slide. Updating our trend line for new cases by episode date shows that as of April 4th, the seven-day average number of daily cases by episode date remains at about 400 new cases per day. Our daily case numbers for the week ending April 4th are now lower than what we reported one year ago at the beginning of April last year, which, as you know, was at the start of the pandemic. At that point, we reported 606 daily cases by episode date on April 4th, 2020. <clears throat> I'll take the next slide. This graph we show every week, it's our trend lines of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths from March 1st of 2020 through April 4th now of 2021. And as you can see, cases, hospitalizations, and deaths continue to decrease over the month of March. One month ago on March 4th, we reported 657 daily new cases. Since then, we've seen a 38% decrease in the number of daily cases, falling to the 403 daily cases we reported now for April 4th. Daily hospitalizations has seen a greater decrease, falling 56% since March 4th, when we reported 1,335 daily hospitalizations to now 583 daily hospitalizations as of April 4th. You know, that's over now a week ago. And over the last month, the number of daily deaths has dropped 84%, from 51 daily deaths reported on March 4th to just to eight deaths reported on April 4th. Obviously, as we've had more opportunities for mingling with folks outside our households, to continue the recovery journey, we're going to need to make sure we adhere to common sense safety measures so that we don't see increases in cases, which then will fuel increases in hospitalizations and unfortunately can lead to more deaths. I'll take the next slide. The number of outbreaks has also declined significantly since the winter surge when the pandemic was at its worst. Certainly at some sites, the significant decrease we're seeing in outbreaks also reflects increases in vaccination rates among workers. Work sites, including offices, warehouses, and construction sites, and other non-food sites represented here by the red line, had the most outbreaks, peaking at about 159 outbreaks the week of November 22nd, before eventually declining to six outbreaks the week of February 28th. We've seen a small increase in outbreaks during March, with 11 outbreaks in this sector reported for the week of March 28th. During the week of December 6th, there were 83 reported outbreaks in homeless settings, shown here by the green line. Thankfully, outbreaks at these high-risk settings have also decreased, and we reported only two outbreaks at homeless settings in the week, again, of March 28th. The week of December 6th also saw the highest number of outbreaks at food facilities with 62 outbreaks 
and at school and daycare settings, which reported 47 outbreaks that first week of December. <clears throat> Both sectors have seen a decline in the number of outbreaks since then, with school and daycare settings reporting only five outbreaks the week of March 28th, and food facilities reporting zero outbreaks that same week. And at the end of March, there were no reported outbreaks for that last week in places of worship, fire and EMS settings, and correctional settings. The significantly no lower number of outbreaks <coughs> sorry, reflects both less community transmission and the increased numbers of workers at many of these sites that have been vaccinated. I'll take the next slide. We've seen similar declines in outbreaks at healthcare facilities, skilled nursing facilities, and other long-term care and congregate residential settings. In early December, there were 212 outbreaks reported at long-term care and other congregate residential settings represented by the blue line. Some of these outbreaks were only occurred only in patients. Some were only among staff and some occurred among both patients and staff. By the end of January, that number had dropped to only 10, 28 outbreaks the week of January 31st. And as of the week of March 28th, we had zero outbreaks in long-term care and congregate residential settings. During the peak of the surge in early December, there were 92 outbreaks at skilled nursing facilities in LA County, shown here by the red line. There were also 29 outbreaks reported at healthcare settings, such as hospitals, dialysis centers, and outpatient healthcare facilities. Since then, the number of outbreaks at skilled nursing facilities and healthcare settings has fallen to just about zero for the week of March 28th. At these facilities, most workers and residents are now fully vaccinating, adding that extra layer of protection against virus transmission. We're grateful to everyone providing vaccination opportunities at these sites and thank all of the workers and residents for getting vaccinated. As you can see, it's making a huge difference in reducing spread. I'll take the next slide. To update you on current overall efforts to vaccinate residents and workers in LA County, as of April 4th, uh, we've administered more than 5.1 million doses of vaccine across the county. Of these, 3.3 million were first doses and more than 1.8 million were second doses. That means about 25% of people in LA County who are eligible to get vaccinated are now fully vaccinated. As a reminder, starting this Thursday, anyone 16 and older living in LA County is eligible for vaccination. And the My Turn website will be updated on Wednesday to reflect this change in eligibility. This means that residents 16 and older can begin scheduling appointments for Thursday and later dates starting on Wednesday. Please note that for youth 16 and 17, they can only receive the Pfizer vaccine and they'll need to sign up at a site that offers this vaccine. There's no authorization to use the Moderna or the Johnson & Johnson vaccine for anyone under 18 years old. Providers vaccine, vaccinating residents in hard-hit communities have had flexibility to vaccinate family members of eligible residents for the past couple of weeks, and they will continue with these efforts. We'll take the next slide. On this table, we can see big differences in mortality rates between males and females in LA County, and the mortality rate amongst males by race and ethnicity. This gap is particularly troubling since case rates among women and men are relatively similar, 
with about 11,866 cases per 100,000 women and 11,330 cases per 100,000 men. As of April 10th, the cumulative mortality rate amongst females is 153 deaths per 100,000 women. Shockingly, the mortality rate amongst males in LA County is nearly double at 289 deaths per 100,000 men. And this unfortunately is a trend seen across the country. Black and Latino males also experience much higher rates of mortality than Asian and white males. The mortality rate for Black LA County male residents is 267 deaths per 100,000 people. And for Latino males, the mortality rate is 490 deaths per 100,000 people. This is nearly two and a half times the mortality rate for Asian males and more than three times the mortality rate for white males. Next slide. Unfortunately, although men and men of color in particular have significantly higher risk of dying for COVID-19, males in LA County, specifically black and Latino males, have much lower vaccination rate. This table shows us that fewer males are being vaccinated than females with only 30% of LA County uh, male residents having received at least one dose of the vaccine as of April 4th, while 44% of women have received at least one dose of the vaccine. Black and Latino males are also being vaccinated at the lowest rates of everyone. As of April 4th, only 19% of black males in LA County and 17% of Latino males received at least one dose of the vaccine compared to 35% of Asian males and 32% of white males. We'll all need to work much harder to make sure that men who have the greatest chances of dying from COVID-19 are aware of their risk and that we're making it very easy for them to get vaccinated. Accurate information about the safety and effectiveness of the three available vaccines that protect from the COVID-19 virus should be widely available. And leaders and families can help make sure that the men in their communities know how important they are and where they can go to get vaccinated. This is particularly true for men of color. I met a wonderful father on Saturday at one of our vaccination sites who was bringing his two adult children to get their vaccines. And I had an opportunity to talk with him. And in our conversation, he revealed that he had not yet been vaccinated. He knew it was super important for his children to get the vaccine, and he wasn't that worried at all about himself. I was worried about him, as were his children. And as the data clearly shows, we should all make sure that the men in our community know that vaccinations are one way we get to protect each other. We also again ask our businesses to help make sure employees can easily get vaccinated by connecting workers to vaccination appointments, sponsoring vaccination sites, and offering paid time off for those going to another site to get their vaccine. I'll take the next slide. Uh, this table shows the weekly sum the summary of our weekly distribution of COVID-19 vaccines by site type. This week, there's 139,870 doses that are available for first vaccination appointments and 183,600 doses that are needed for second appointments. There are 395 vaccination sites that are offering appointments uh, with their portion of the 323,470 total doses that were allocated to the County of LA for this week. 
As a reminder, this table does not include doses allocated directly from the federal government to some county pharmacies, federally qualified health centers, and the FEMA vaccination sites, nor does it include doses allocated by the state to the large multi-county entities. And there are more than 300 additional sites that are vaccinating this week uh, using non-county allocated doses. And we are grateful for those additional doses in our county. Our allocation for this week is almost 80,000 doses less than last week's allocation, in large part because we received far fewer doses from Johnson & Johnson this week. Last week, we received 118,000 Johnson & Johnson doses, and this week we received only 19,600 Johnson & Johnson doses. Although the number of doses we're receiving is low, I do want to remind everyone of the advantage of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine which, like the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, are shown to be highly effective in preventing hospitalizations and deaths during the clinical trials. Unlike Pfizer and Moderna, which require two doses spaced out by three or four weeks, Johnson & Johnson requires only one dose, making it a very convenient option. People receiving Johnson & Johnson are fully vaccinated just two weeks after their vaccination, while people who receive Pfizer or Moderna need to wait five to six weeks in total from the time they got that first dose to be fully vaccinated. This week, there are nearly 75,000 doses or 23% of the total allocation that are going to our federally qualified health centers and clinics serving residents and workers in hard hit communities. 66,000 doses will be administered at the seven county sites. The city of LA sites are vaccinating 58,000 people at their six sites, and pharmacies are administering more than 26,000 doses. 33,000 doses will be administered through our mobile vaccination partners, again, with a focus on hard hit communities that have lower vaccination rates. The lack of supply continues to slow the pace of which we can provide vaccinations. Currently this week, the county has the ability to administer 734,000 vaccine doses, which is more than double the number of vaccines that we received. Next slide. LA County, as the supervisor noted, is transitioning uh, two county-run sites this week. Next Sunday, April 18th, the county vaccination site at Magic Mountain will cease operations to allow for the amusement park to host most, more guests. And starting on Monday, April 19, there'll be vaccination sites at the College of the Canyons in Santa Clarita and Palmdale Oasis Park Recreation Center in East Palmdale will begin their vaccination sites operations. These two new sites are walk-up sites and each will have the ability to administer up to 2,000 vaccinations a day. The El Sereno vaccination site in LA County will offer vaccinations through tomorrow, Tuesday, April 13. And vaccine operations will begin at Eugene Obergon Park this coming Wednesday, April 14th. And this site will also now, as the supervisor noted, be able to increase to administering 2,000 doses of vaccine each day. The El Sereno Recreation Center and Magic Mountain have been critical in our vaccination efforts, as each provided access to vaccines. And we're so grateful to Magic Mountain and the City of LA and their Department of Recreation and Parks for this essential partnership. We'll take the next slide. We do remain committed to increasing the number of vaccination sites in the hard hit zip codes in LA County. 
A total, in total, we have 709 vaccination sites across the county this week, which is the most vaccination sites we've had to date. There are 266 sites in the hard hit communities. These are, as we noted, communities with high case rates and low vaccination rates. 102 of the vaccination sites in LA County that are new recently came online as part of the Federal Pharmacy Partnership. Sites throughout the county are managed by hospitals, pharmacies, federally qualified health centers, community clinics, city, and the federal government, along with multi-county ent entities. And we do thank all of our providers for their outstanding work. For information on all of the sites that are available in LA County, please go to LA, uh, vaccinatelacounty.com. Take the next slide. As we noted, mobile vaccine teams need to continue in administering vaccines every week. Uh, and they continued with their priority of vaccinating residents 65 and older, including residents in hard hit communities where the residents are homebound or have limited mobility. There are 95 mobile vaccination teams scheduled to administer vaccinations this week at senior housing sites, senior centers, faith-based organizations, and community-based organizations. These mobile sites remain critical in our effort to vaccinate residents in hard hit communities where there are either low vaccination rates or there's a lack of access. In the coming weeks, we have an additional 237 mobile vaccination sites that are scheduled throughout the county. The next slide. We'll also be making several changes to the health officer order, which will take effect on April 15th. These changes align with the state changes to the blueprint regarding indoor live events and performances, private meetings such as conferences, receptions and meetings, and private informal gatherings. We plan to post an updated health officer order reflecting the modifications on our website on Wednesday, along with changes to the protocol, to the protocols for each of these sectors. But I'll give some highlights. Uh, starting on Thursday, indoor live events and performances will be permitted across LA County with the following safety measures. Indoor live events and performances are able to open for in-state visitors only who must have pre-purchased their tickets. Eating or drinking is not permitted anywhere except in the pre-designated eating areas. Masks must be worn at all times except when in a designated eating area. There needs to be six feet of distance between different households unless people are fully vaccinated. As with outdoor live events, employers must offer a weekly worker testing program. For venues that hold up to 1,500 people, there's a maximum capacity limit of 15% or 200 people, whichever is fewer. However, the capacity limit can increase up to 35% if all the guests are tested or vaccinated, fully vaccinated. For venues holding more than 1,500 people, there's a capacity limit of 10% or 2,000 people, whichever is fewer. Although again, the capacity limit can increase to 25% if all guests are tested or fully vaccinated. Next slide. Private meetings uh, such as conferences, receptions, and uh, meetings will be permitted starting on Thursday, April 15, again, with safety measures that are required. The first is that there must be a defined guest list or tickets must be purchased. Masks must be worn at all times unless attendees are eating or drinking. 
There must be six feet of distance between tables and chairs for guests who are not vaccinated. There must be assigned seating or seating chart with a maximum of six people per table, again, for guests that are not vaccinated. And there can be no intermingling of multiple private events. For outdoor private events, there's a maximum of 100 people allowed, but that limit can increase to 300 people if all guests are tested or vaccinated, fully vaccinated. Tables are also limited to six people from a minimum of three households outdoors unless everyone at the table is vaccinated. Indoor private events, and this is really important, are allowed only if all the guests attending are tested or fully vaccinated with a limit of 150 guests. Next slide. We're also modifying the protocols for what we call private, social, or informal gatherings. These are gatherings where there is no defined uh, you know, guest list and people's testing or vaccination status uh, may be unknown. Masks will be required at all times unless people are eating or drinking. There must be six feet of distance between tables and chairs uh, and outdoors, again, there's a maximum of 50 people. Seating at tables is restricted to six people from up to three households. If everyone is vaccinated, the capacity limit at tables are not necessary. And as always, those with symptoms or those who have tested positive for COVID-19 are not allowed to attend any gatherings. Indoor private gatherings are permitted but strongly discouraged. If you choose to hold an indoor private gathering, the following are the required safety modifications. There's a maximum of 25 people or 25% capacity limit, whichever is less, wherever, if there's a capacity limit that exists. Masks, again, must be worn at all times unless everyone is fully vaccinated. And there can be no eating or drinking indoors unless everyone attending is fully vaccinated or everyone attending is fully vaccinated except for members of one household that does not have any high-risk individuals. You can uh, remove the slides now. Thankfully, California and LA County have yet to see the increases that we've witnessed across so many other states, uh, across the country and across the world. I'm really grateful for all of our residents and businesses that are doing everything they can to stop the spread of the deadly virus that's claimed the lives of so many of our friends and family. And like so many of you, I do feel hopeful for the first time in a long time, which makes it even more critical that we all follow the safety measures. We cannot let up, not now. Please continue wearing your masks and physically distancing from others when you're in public. And please review information about the safety and effectiveness of the three vaccines currently available to protect from COVID-19. So when it is your turn to get vaccinated, you feel comfortable taking this important step. Thank you, and I'm happy to turn it over to Dr. Christina Galley. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Today I'll provide brief updates on the county's health services modeling effort and then also touch just quickly on testing and then we'll turn it over for questions. The model continues to show promising news, just as Dr. Ferrer just mentioned. The number every day of new patients that are hospitalized with COVID-19 continues to gradually decline. And as I mentioned last week, remember that a COVID-19 PCR test can stay positive for up to three months. So some of the patients, really actually a rather large share of the patients that are newly hospitalized uh, in Los Angeles County with 
COVID-19 are not there because of their COVID-19. They may have a positive test from a prior infection during the surge, and they're now hospitalized for some other condition uh, and in need of hospital care for that, but aren't there specifically for their COVID illness. This could result in estimates for new transmission and for the value of the effective transmission number, or R, that is too high. Regardless, even with that slight overestimation in the modeling slides that you can access on the DHS website, we're in a good position here in the county with hospital beds projected as being adequate over the next month. So as other areas in the county, sorry, in the country, see a surge and an increase in cases, it's a good thing that we're not seeing any evidence of that here in Los Angeles County. We still need you to do your part to keep it that way though. So please continue to do all of those basic public health practices that are needed to keep the vaccine transmission low. Shifting now to talking about testing. As vaccine eligibility expands, free COVID-19 testing remains critical and necessary to reduce COVID transmission while we are striving toward herd immunity. That's why the Department of Health Services has partnered with a number of community-based organizations throughout Los Angeles County to urge all residents, particularly among the hardest hit communities of color, to continue testing for COVID-19 as a necessary step to stop spread while the vaccination effort continues to roll out. The nonprofit organizations that we serve with, that we work with are trusted by local residents and provide critical services in the communities that they serve. These partnerships with community-based organizations are part of our ongoing efforts to maintain the downward tread downward trend of COVID-19 transmission in Los Angeles County, particularly among the most impacted Latinx and Black communities who suffer the highest case rates and the lowest vaccination rates. Testing will help to diagnose and identify people who are infected early and stop it from spreading to the broader community. Finding out someone is COVID positive early on can help make sure that they are able to isolate and inform their contacts and help protect those around them. For everyone in Los Angeles County, remember, please get tested if you have symptoms of COVID, if you've been asked by a physician or healthcare provider or someone from the public health community to get tested, especially if you are not fully vaccinated. Also, please consider getting tested if you have a confirmed exposure to someone with COVID-19 or you think you might have been exposed to someone with COVID-19. Health Services continues to make getting COVID testing as easy and convenient as possible. Testing is free regardless of your insurance status and is widely available in many locations across the county with both walk-up and drive-up testing sites, many of which that do not require an appointment. Individuals looking to get tested should call their physician first so that they can get tested within their established provider network if possible. But if they don't have a provider, they can call 211 to get one or they can access testing resources at either covidhealthla.org or at the county's COVID testing website, which remains covid19.lacounty.gov testing. We continue to see marked progress here in the county as we move forward with our efforts to reduce transmission and beat COVID-19. So please get your vaccine just as soon as you're eligible and please continue to heed all public health guidance in the meantime. Thanks for all of your efforts in keeping everyone safe. Ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please raise your hand using the hand icon or send the host a chat with your name and outlet to be placed in queue. As a courtesy to other reporters and to allow for ample time for questions, we ask that you please limit yourself to one to two questions per reporter. One moment, please, for the first question. 
Our first question will come from the line of Claudia Pichuda. Claudia, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi there. Uh, just a couple of quick questions. Um, the a lot of people went up from LA County to Bakersfield to get a shot uh, because they were allowed to do so, but they were told they did not have to return to Bakersfield for the second shot. So I'm wondering, uh, you know, do they just make an appointment like anybody else for the second shot? And then um, I noticed on Friday that there have been three COVID-related deaths of children reported in the past month. I'm wondering if that's something that the department is looking into at all. Is it possible that these might have been MISC cases? And uh, for Dr. Galley, are you noticing any changes in the hospitalization trends, younger people, shorter stays, anything like that? Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Claudia. Um, you know, I think it's unfortunate that uh, people were told not to return to Bakersfield for their second dose. I mean, obviously, uh, we'll need to figure out uh, here in LA County how to get them their second dose. It's, it's certainly a lot easier uh, when you make your first dose appointment, like everybody does here in LA County, you get automatically a, a second dose appointment. That's a, a guarantee that you'll be able to easily get in uh, for that second dose, but I imagine we can work with uh, the folks in Bakersfield uh, to figure out uh, how to make sure people get that second dose. Uh, in terms of uh, MISC cases, you know, as we noted uh, earlier, uh, when you see a surge like we did uh, in the November, December, uh, in cases of COVID-19 and even until early January, uh, for MISC, which is often a disease that follows an earlier exposure to uh, COVID-19. Uh, we, we saw, as we did uh, in February, an increase in our MISC cases. And, and unfortunately, um, a couple of the deaths that have been, um, that have happened amongst uh, children have been cases of, of MISC. So, uh, you know, again, it, it's not a, uh, a, a significant increase at this point uh, but you're right to note that uh, we have had three deaths uh, in children, and those and those two of those deaths have been more recent. Uh, and I'll turn it over to Dr. Galley for the third question. Uh, here within the Department of Health Services hospitals, we have seen that the highest the the age group that makes up the greatest number of COVID patients is the younger population, age 18 to 49. So they have consistently made up about 40 to 50% of the total hospitalized patient volume with COVID-19. That's been true really off and on throughout the pandemic. It wasn't certainly true at the very beginning of the pandemic, but then was true in the fall. Uh, and then is true again, really since February and throughout March. Um, we don't have access specifically to the data and the age range on the other hospitals. I'll let Dr. Ferrer um, comment on that specifically, but it certainly is true. And I know the same thing is true across many other jurisdictions across the country, that it's those younger patients that are increasingly hospitalized with COVID. I will say though, obviously um, the same caveat that I mentioned just a few minutes ago with respect to the trend that we're seeing um, in the modeling sides is that a large number of the patients uh, that hospitals are identifying as having COVID-19 uh, on admission are not necessarily hospitalized because of their COVID disease. So they might be hospitalized for something else, you know, maybe they had an injury, might be hospitalized for cancer treatment, for surgical 
indications for pneumonia for some other condition other than COVID-19, but because hospitals are all routinely doing COVID testing on admission, they are identifying people who have COVID-19, um, and a large share of those people aren't necessarily, again, there because of their COVID diagnosis. Um, that results uh, in a slight decline in the length of stay, um, the average length of stay for individuals with COVID uh, throughout the pandemic has ranged between, you know, seven to eight days or so. That's significantly higher than the average length of stay for a typical non-COVID patient. So as we see these, um, these patients with uh, other conditions, but who happen to have COVID, that is bringing down the overall average length of stay. We can go on to the next question. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Patrick Healy. Patrick, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi, doctors. Thank you much. Um, regarding the health order changes for April 15, I'm curious if public health has been meeting yet with any of the large venues such as Staples Center, hotels, to help them gear up for this big change on the 15th. Um, and then if I could ask also about uh, so many changes this week in vaccination, uh, locations opening and closing, um, household eligibility, but only for certain neighborhoods. Uh, I don't want you to go through the, the details, but more talk about how uh, we're kind of in a transition period and there's maybe a need for flexibility here. And if I could sneak in a third question, uh, the higher mortality rate again of men, do we think that's due primarily due to the disparate vaccination rate or are there other factors? Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Patrick. Let me just start with the last one. I mean, the higher mortality rate for men has been noted, you know, really uh, since early on in the pandemic. And, uh, you know, there, there, there may be lots of factors contributing to that, including uh, there may be men that are delaying seeking care. There may be men that have uh, more underlying health conditions or presenting with more underlying health conditions that haven't been well controlled. Um, and there may be some protections uh, that women have uh, in terms of their immune response um, that are putting them at a slight advantage. But, but it, it is not, the higher mortality rate is not necessarily associated with the vaccination rates because we've seen that higher mortality rate all along. What's staggering to realize is that the very uh, group of folks who have the higher mortality rate are now also the group of folks that have the lower vaccination rates. And that's what's troubling. And that's where we need to really focus a lot of additional work so that we flip that around. You obviously want people at highest risk uh, to be getting vaccinated and to be getting vaccinated quickly. As a matter of fact, all of the prioritization that's been done to date uh, really has been done with that intent. Let's get people at higher risk for having serious illness and passing away from COVID-19 uh, vaccinated. Which brings me uh, to your second question or your middle question, which was about, you know, there's lots of different eligibility criteria, you know, and, and, you know, we heard obviously earlier from Claudia, if you went to one county, you could already get vaccinated uh, if you were uh, 16 and older. Um, and, and here in LA County, we have some sites that are in fact already and have been for the last two weeks uh, vaccinating entire families of people where there was one eligible member, but other family members were in an at-risk or higher-risk group uh, by, by where they were living. They were in one of our hard-hit communities. Uh, and I'm, I'm grateful that some of our providers were able to do that. It made a lot of sense, uh, particularly as we continue to see 
uh, the, the lower vaccination rates in some of those communities and, and that those persist. But uh, like we noted uh, earlier, we will be opening for everybody uh, at all of the sites. The My Turn sites uh, will be able to actually have uh, appointments that can be scheduled starting on Wednesday. So on Thursday at all of the sites across the county, uh, people who are 16 and older can get vaccinated if it's a site that has Pfizer vaccine available. And if not, if it's a site that has Moderna and or Johnson and Johnson, they'll be vaccinating everybody 18 and older. We'll have to have patience. Um, you know, every week we report exactly how many doses we get as the county. And then we note that, you know, the, our, our partners from uh, the, that are working with the federal government maybe bring in an additional 100,000, 150,000 doses each week. But, but given the numbers of people that are going to be eligible, it's going to take a little bit of time uh, for everybody to be able to get their appointment. However, I'm going to encourage uh, folks to uh, really assess your risk. And uh, if you're in one of the higher risk groups and you still haven't gotten vaccinated, uh, please make sure you're, you're using uh, this as an opportunity to also schedule your own appointment. And then, yes, of course, we've been uh, talking, you know, almost nonstop uh, with the larger venues, with hotels, and with our labor partners uh, soliciting uh, all of the questions and the concerns that folks have around reopening guidance and uh, with the deep commitment from all of our partners that we do this with a lot of safety um, so that uh, these sites also can continue to help us uh, stay on our recovery journey. But thanks for those. We'll take the next question. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Luke Money. Luke, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi, everyone. Thanks, as always, for uh, taking the time to answer our questions. Always appreciated. Um, in looking over the latest community and city level vaccination data that the county posted last week, uh, we noticed that some of the areas, in fact, most of them that have seen the biggest relative increases in their vaccination coverage over the last two months or so have been largely lower income areas uh, with predominantly non-white populations. Uh, to what would you attribute uh, that progress and what more needs to be done to close the still significant gaps that you've noted uh, in terms of vaccination coverage between these communities and uh, other wealthier areas? Also looking at that same data set, uh, there are some communities like Rancho Park, Playa Vista uh, that already have well over 50% of their residents who are 16 and older vaccinated. Uh, what are some of the factors that may have contributed to those areas having such a large proportion of their population vaccinated so quickly, uh, especially when coverage in other areas is still so low? Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for those great questions. And, you know, I think there was a lot of work that went into making sure that we increased the ability and the access uh, to vaccines in the hard hit communities. And, you know, that really is, is a huge thank you that's owed to all of our partners. Uh, we, you know, we again, you know, we have the largest, most extensive network, uh, I think, across the United States for any county. Uh, but it's these partners uh, who are trusted in their communities, who have been providing services before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and will continue to provide services after the pandemic that I think are making the biggest difference. You know, that includes our federally qualified health centers, that includes our pharmacy partners, particularly some of our independent pharmacies. That includes our union partners, our mobile teams that have been, you know, just out there popping up vaccine sites uh, in some of the hard hit communities. So a lot of work and thoughtfulness went into this. We've had a lot of support from our, our faith community. We've had a lot of support from community-based organizations. We've had organizing efforts around this 
you know, making it easier for people to get to vaccination sites and giving us lists of places where we need to take the vaccines to people who had limited mobility. So that wasn't by chance and, and a lot of hard work went into that. And there's still a lot of work uh, that we need to continue to, to do because as you noted, while the largest relative increases did happen um, in our hardest hit communities, we, have, we still have a long way to go and that there are other communities uh, that are still, um, you know, still have experienced much higher rates of vaccinations. And that in general, those communities are what we would note as better resource communities. Uh, and that includes more resources might be available in the community and people living in those communities generally have access to more resources. It makes it easy uh, for people to travel across the county to find a place to get vaccinated if there's not one uh, that's close by. Uh, as you've noted, you know, people uh, who can travel, who have cars, who don't have jobs that make it hard for them uh, to spend a lot of time on the computer looking for appointments. Those were all people who were advantaged uh, in the, particularly in the early days of the vaccine rollout. Uh, but I do think uh, as we continue to stay laser focused on addressing the inequities uh, in the vaccination rates and making sure that we're just making it easier, we're getting more information and we're doing uh, a better job on our partnership. So we will close that gap. Uh, and I'm, I'm confident that the strategies that our, our community partners are actually executing at this point is what's making a difference and we'll continue to do that. Uh, and again, want to give a lot of thanks and gratitude to all of those partners. Um, I also want to thank, you know, sometimes it, the businesses uh, don't really get the shout outs that they, uh, that they uh, need in this case. Uh, we've had a lot of businesses really step up, making appointments for their employees, uh, making sure that uh, their employees have paid time off to go and get vaccinated. And some businesses have actually sponsored vaccination clinics on their site. Again, the easier we can make it for people to get vaccinated, uh, the more people uh, will, will be able to get vaccinated. So I wanna express a lot of uh, gratitude for that. We'll take the next question. Our next question comes from the line of Marla Tejas. Marla, your line is unmuted, please go ahead. Thank you both doctors. Uh, this I think can go to Dr. Ferrer, if not Dr. Galley. Um, do you still, given the roadblocks that J&J &J hit over the weekend with Georgia becoming the third state to halt the use of it at some of its sites there. Uh, you still fully recommend J&J? &J? I know I heard your comments about 25 minutes in, but I wanted to just to directly ask you about that. And then also of uh, LA County's 10 million, how many people are under 16? Oh yeah, thanks a lot. Um, I think for the last question, the answer is uh, about 1.7 million people are under the age of 16. We have about 10 million people and our estimates, you know, depending on whose data set you're using are about 8.3 million people are gonna be eligible uh, to get vaccinated. Um, and, and we've made, you know, great strides. I mean, obviously we've administered over 5 million doses now. Um, I think, uh, you know, that includes some second doses, but, you know, we, we've hit a lot of residents uh, with their first doses and I think we'll continue to make progress. And we do fully recommend uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine. You know, we are aligned uh, with the CDC and the scientific committees at the FDA. I, I think uh, what, what we are seeing, which, which I really think uh, gives us an added layer of, of, of security on this is, 
Whenever there is anything unusual that happens at a vaccination site, it immediately gets reported up to the FDA uh, and to the CDC for there to be an investigation. And in general, those investigations happen relatively quickly. I mean, people pay a lot of attention uh, and they're able to go ahead and then provide the reassurance uh, that again, uh, these were not uh, unusual adverse events associated with, with something we don't uh, particularly understand or know about uh, with the vaccine. These are still uh, you know, highly effective and very safe vaccines, among the safest actually that we've seen uh, in terms of uh, both side effects uh, and you know, obviously uh, serious reactions, allergic reactions uh, to the vaccines. So, but, but thanks for that question. We can go on to the next question. Thank you. We have time for one last question, and that question comes from the line of Peter Nichols. Peter, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hey, hello, uh, Dr. Uh, Galley and Dr. Ferrer. Thank you so much for all of your passion and efforts to keep all of us safe. Uh, Dr. Ferrer, uh, being that I'm a community activist in the Mid-City area, and I've spoken to so many people who have had COVID, I, I really want to implore that you people understand that there is a mindset that these people feel that they have been self-vaccinated because they've been infected. And I'd really like to ask in your press releases that you think about overemphasizing, even if you've had COVID, to please, please get vaccinated. Because I, I'm running into this on a daily basis, and I think that you know, you your your office while doing a great job might be underestimating people's thinking that you know they've been through this, they don't need the 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 vaccine, and I think it's a consensus in the scientific community that in fact that they do. I just wanted to let you know about that. Secondly, since we're all getting back into lifestyle, and I. I've worked significantly in the broadcast field and, you know, people are starting to congregate again at lifestyle oriented um, locations. Can I suggest too that in your ability to do your outreach, whether it's testing or vaccination, that you think and realize that some of the most vulnerable populations are starting to now travel to other areas or destinations like maybe city walk at universal city hollywood boulevard melrose avenue venice beach and get the pop-up situations going there so that you're able to reach people you know who are actively out there and uh, can maybe get a vaccination or even get tested thank you yeah, thanks so much. Both great suggestions and uh, particularly like uh, making sure people understand what the science says about if you've been infected, whether you need to get vaccinated again. Obviously, really important that people get vaccinated. It's, uh, it's a different layer of protection. Um, it's not known yet uh, how long those people uh, who have been infected hold on to uh, an immune response that would be robust enough. Uh, to prevent uh, them from getting infected again. 
you know, the estimates right now are still uh, maybe maybe it's three months, uh, but maybe not even as long as three months. We certainly know cases of people who have been infected uh, with COVID-19 and then got infected again with a different strain of the virus. So it's pretty clear it doesn't offer you uh, all of that protection. Uh, the vaccines are really essential uh, for us to get to herd immunity and again, uh, offer an extra layer. So you're absolutely right. Uh, we are recommending, strongly recommending everywhere we are uh, in our literature and in our messaging uh, that everyone needs to get vaccinated uh, regardless of whether they already had COVID-19. And, and thanks also for the reminder that there are lots of other sites where pop-up vaccination uh, uh, you know, uh, sites are, are going to be extraordinarily helpful. And you know, as we get more vaccine, we obviously look to expanding our ability to pop up in many more places. But thank you, everyone. I'm going to turn it back to Supervisor Solis. Thank you. I think we're ready for Spanish, right? Yeah. Good. Buenas tardes. Soy la Supervisora Hilda Solis, Presidenta de la Junta de Supervisores del Condado de Los Ángeles. Hoy marca una semana desde que nos movemos al nivel naranja y cuatro semanas desde el condado entró el nivel rojo. Durante este tiempo, hemos abierto varios negocios, incluyendo restaurantes, bares, cines, gimnasios, bibliotecas, centros comerciales, museos y muchos otros, incluyendo deportes y el regreso a clases de nuestros niños. Y todavía estamos manteniendo menos casos de COVID-19. Estamos demostrando que si podemos empezar a disfrutar un nuevo capítulo mientras seguimos usando nuestras máscaras, lavando nuestras manos y manteniendo la distancia física de seis pies. Le doy las gracias a nuestros residentes y negocios que han trabajado muy duro para mantenernos sanos durante este tiempo difícil. Así como se permite más actividades como deportes en vivo, conciertos y más, les pido su ayuda en seguir medidas sanas. Con el anuncio del estado de poder abrir todos los negocios, empezando el 15 de junio, tenemos una fecha que marca el fin de la pandemia. Pero fácilmente podemos re re retrasar esta fecha si no tomamos precauciones. No solo salvan vidas, pero nos ayuda a mantener nuestros negocios abiertos. Hay que dar tiempo a los que no se han vacunado para asegurar que todos estamos protegidos contra el virus. Lo bueno es que estamos abriendo acceso a las vacunas contra COVID-19 aquí en el condado. Este jueves, todos los residentes mayores de 16 años van a ser elegibles para recibir la vacuna. Yo sé que muchos han esperado este momento. En las, primarias, en las primeras semanas va a ser un poco limitados, pero con el tiempo van a haber más vacunas disponibles. Los animo que se vacunan lo más pronto posible cuando sean elegibles. No importa cuál vacuna sea, la mejor vacuna es la que está disponible. Puede recibir de la Pfizer o Moderna, que es entrega en dos dosis, o Johnson y Johnson, que solamente es un dosis. Les acuerdo que la vacuna de Pfizer está disponible 
a los que tienen 10 y 7 años y 17 años. Y cuando se vacunan, por favor, comparten con sus familiares y amistades. Algo por sus familias, amistades y para salvar las vidas de sus vecinos. Adicionalmente, empezando este miércoles, vamos a mover el centro de vacunas en El Sereno al Parque Obregón en el este de Los Ángeles. Esto nos va a ayudar a vacunar más personas, casi uh, 1,500 hasta 2,000 personas al día. Estos esfuerzos son críticos. Desde el 10 de abril, aproximadamente 36% de los residentes mayores de 16 años en el primer distrito han sido vacunados. En el segundo distrito es solo 32% cuando se compara al 37% de todo el condado. Y la importancia de vacunar nuestras comunidades más afectadas es muy importante ahora más que nunca. Esto especialmente cierto dado el aumento de variantes de COVID-19 en el condado de Los Ángeles. La semana pasada anunciamos el primer caso de la variant COVID-19 sudafricana y tres casos de la variante brasileña. Sabemos que estos variantes son peligrosos y altamente transmisibles pero hay muchas cosas que desconocemos sobre ellas. Aunque nuestra tasa de positividad de casos está un, en un mínimo histórico, hemos visto que ese cambio de la noche a la mañana. Continuando, por favor, hacer su parte. A la misma vez, reconocemos que para miles de personas en el condado, la vacuna no llegó en tiempo. En el condado de Los Ángeles, más que 23,000 residentes perdieron la vida por parte de este virus. Y lo último que deben preocupar las familias que han perdido seres queridos es cómo pagar los servicios del funeral. Por eso, autoricé una moción para que nuestros departamentos del condado vean cómo utilizar fondos federales para reembolsar gastos funerarios y a los que han perdido su ser queridos de parte del virus. Hoy, con la Asociación del Gobierno Federal, estamos lanzando un programa para reembolsar hasta $9,000 a los que han perdido un ser querido al virus. Empezando de el 20 de enero de, de 2020, si ha perdido un ser querido de COVID-19, puede aplicar para esta asistencia por el sitio del web de FIBA o por llamando este número 844-684-6333. También les quiero compartir un recurso del condado que ayuda a propietarios a mantener sus propiedades. Este programa es un resultado de una moción que autoricé yo y la supervisora Han. Es importante para a seguir que que ninguna familia pierde su casa. En varios casos, la gente termina en la calle cuando no pueden pagar o les sacan de sus casas. Las familias africanoamericanos y latinos son los más impactados económicamente por la pandemia y son los más vulnerables a perder sus casas por esta razón. Por eso lanzamos un programa de alivio hipotecario que ayuda a familias a no perder sus propiedades. 
el programa de hasta 20 mil dólares a personas que tuvieron dificultades haciendo pagos sobre las casa, casas entre el primero de, ma, de marzo y la 31 de diciembre de 2020. Esto incluye a residentes del condado de Los Ángeles, pero no a la ciudad de Los Ángeles. Para obtener más información, por favor, llamen a 888-895-2647. En feed, hay que seguir teniendo pues, cuidado y protegiendo a nuestros queridos. Gracias por todos sus esfuerzos. Gracias. Thank you so much. Um, hoy compartiremos actualizaciones sobre casos, hospitalizaciones, muertes y brotes de COVID-19 y cambios en la orden del funcionario de salud que entrarán en vigor el 15 de abril. También daremos una actualización sobre nuestros esfuerzos de vacunación y las preocupaciones relacionadas con tasas más altas de fallecimientos y tasas más bajas de vacunación entre los hombres en el condado de Los Ángeles. Comenzaremos con nuestros números diarios. Como recordatorio, la disminución en nuestros números de casos y fallecimientos reflejan un retraso en los informes durante el fin de semana. First slide, please. Nos entristece informar hoy tres muertes adicionales, lo que eleva el número total de muertes a 23,000. 479 en el condado de Los Ángeles. Hoy estamos informando 411 casos nuevos, lo que eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 1.226.191. Actualmente hay 470 personas hospitalizadas con COVID-19 y el 24% de las personas que están hospitalizadas se encuentran en unidades de cuidados intensivos. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 97,998, incluidos tanto el personal como los residentes. Hasta la fecha se han realizado pruebas a más de 6 millones de personas y se han informado los resultados al condado de Los Ángeles. La tasa de positividad acumulada es del 19%. Next slide, please. La actualización de nuestra línea de tendencia de casos nuevos eh, por fecha de episodio muestra que a partir del 4 de abril, el número promedio de 7 días de casos diarios por fecha de episodio permanece en aproximadamente 400 casos nuevos por día. Nuestros números de casos diarios para la semana que terminó el 4 de abril, abril ahora son más bajos que lo que informamos hace un año a principios de abril del año pasado al comienzo de la pandemia. Cuando informamos 606 casos diarios por fecha de episodio, episodio el 4 de abril del 2020. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra las líneas de tendencia de casos hospitalizaciones y muertes desde el 1 de marzo del 2020 hasta el 4 de abril del 2021. Los casos, los casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes disminuyeron durante el mes de marzo. Hace un mes, el 4 de marzo, notificamos 657 casos diarios. Desde entonces, hemos visto una disminución del 38% en el número de casos diarios, cayendo a 403 casos diarios el 4 de abril. 
El número de hospitalizaciones diarias ha experimentado una disminución aún mayor, cayendo un 56% desde el 4 de marzo cuando reportamos 1,335 hospitalizaciones diarias a 583 hospitalizaciones diarias el 4 de abril. Obviamente, a medida que tenemos más oportunidad de relacionarnos relacionarnos con personas fuera de nuestro hogar uh, para poder continuar en nuestro viaje hacia la recuperación. Debemos asegurarnos de cumplir con las medidas de seguridad para que no veamos aumentos en casos. Next slide, please. El número de brotes también ha disminuido significativamente desde el aumento repentino del invierno cuando la pandemia estaba en su peor momento. Ciertamente, en algunos sitios, la disminución significativa de los brotes también ref, uh, refleja aumentos en las tasas de vacunación entre los trabajadores. Los sitios de trabajo, incluidas oficinas, almacenes, sitios de construcción y cualquier otro sitio no relacionado con los alimentos, eh, representados aquí por la línea roja, tuvieron la mayor cantidad de brotes, alcanzando un máximo de 159 brotes la semana del 22 de noviembre, antes de finalmente disminuir a 6 brotes la semana de febrero 28. Hubo un leve aumento de brotes durante el mes de marzo, con 11 brotes en este sector reportado la semana del 28 de marzo. Durante la semana del 6 de diciembre, se notificaron 83 brotes en entornos para personas sin hogar que se muestran aquí con la línea verde. Afortunadamente, los brotes en estos entornos de alto riesgo disminuyeron y solo se informaron dos brotes en entornos para personas sin hogar la semana del 28 de marzo. La semana del 6 de diciembre también registró el mayor número de brotes en las instalaciones de alimentos con 62 brotes y en las escuelas y guarderías que informaron 47 brotes la primera semana de diciembre. Ambos eh, sectores vieron una disminución en el número de brotes desde entonces, con escuelas y guarderías que informaron solo 5 brotes la semana del 28 de marzo y las instalaciones de alimentos con ningún brote esta misma semana. Y a fines de marzo no se informaron brotes en lugares de adoración, entornos de bomberos, servicios médicos de emergencia y correccionales. La, la reducción en brotes refleja tanto una menor transmisión comunitaria, igual que el aumento en el número de trabajadores en muchos de estos sitios que se han vacunado. Next slide, please. Ha habido descensos similares en los brotes en centros de salud, centros de enfermería especializada y otros entornos residenciales de atención a largo plazo. A principios de diciembre se informaron 212 brotes en centros de cuidados a largo plazo y otros entornos residenciales representados por la línea azul. Algunos de estos brotes son solo entre pacientes, algunos solo entre el personal y algunos tanto en los pacientes como en el personal. A fines de enero, ese número se había reducido a solo 28 brotes en la semana del 31 de enero. Y a partir de la semana del 28 de marzo, no hubo ningún brote en entornos residenciales y de atención a largo plazo. 
Durante el aumento a principios de diciembre, hubo 92 brotes en centros de enfermería especializada en el condado de Los Ángeles, que se muestran aquí con la línea roja. También se informaron 29 brotes en entornos de atención médica, como hospitales, centros de diálisis e instalaciones de atención médica para pacientes ambulatorios. Desde entonces, el número de brotes en centros de enfermería especializada y entornos de atención médica se redujo a cero a partir de la semana del 28 de marzo. En estas instalaciones, la mayoría de los trabajadores y residentes ahora están completamente vacunados, lo que agrega una capa adicional de protección contra la transmisión del virus. Agradecemos a todos los que brindan oportunidades de vacunación en estos sitios y agradecemos a todos los trabajadores y residentes por vacunarse. Está marcando una gran diferencia en la reducción de la propagación de COVID-19 en nuestro condado. Next slide, please. Para actualizarlos sobre nuestros esfuerzos actuales para vacunar a los residentes y trabajadores en el condado de Los Ángeles, desde el 4 de abril, administramos más de 5.1 millones de dosis de vacuna en el condado. De estos, 3.3 millones fueron primeras dosis y más de 1.8 millones fueron segundas dosis. Como recordatorio, a partir de este jueves, cualquier persona de 16 años o más que viva en el condado de Los Ángeles será elegible para la vacunación y el sitio MyTurn se actualizará el miércoles para reflejar este cambio. Esto significa que los residentes mayores de 16 años pueden comenzar a programar citas para el jueves y más tarde a partir del miércoles. Tenga en cuenta que los jóvenes de 16 y 17 años solo pueden recibir la vacuna Pfizer y deben registrarse en un sitio que ofrezca esta vacuna. No hay autorización para usar la vacuna Moderna o Johnson Johnson para menores de 18 años. Los proveedores que vacunan a los residentes en las comunidades más afectadas han tenido flexibilidad para vacunar a los familiares de los residentes elegibles durante los, las últimas dos semanas y continuarán con estos esfuerzos. Next slide, please. En esta tabla podemos ver grandes diferencias en las tasas de mortalidad entre hombres y mujeres en el condado de Los Ángeles y también las tasas de mortalidad entre hombres por raza y etnicidad. Esta diferencia es muy preocupante debido a que las tasas de casos entre hombres y mujeres son relativamente similares. Al 10 de abril, la tasa de mortalidad acumulada entre mujeres es de 153 fallecimientos por cada 100,000 habitantes. De manera asombrosa, vemos que la tasa de mortalidad entre los hombres en el condado de Los Ángeles es casi el doble, con 289 eh, fallecimientos por cada 100,000 habitantes. Los hombres afroamericanos y latinos también experimentan altas tasas de mortalidad comparados con los hombres asiáticos y blancos. Los hombres afroamericanos tienen la tasa de mortalidad más alta con 267, perdón, 267 muertes por cada 100,000 personas. Y los hombres latinos tienen una tasa de mortalidad de 490 por cada 100,000 personas. Esto es casi dos veces y media la tasa de mortalidad más alta comparada con los hombres asiáticos y más de tres veces la tasa de mortalidad comparada con los hombres blancos. Next slide, please. 
desafortunadamente, a pesar de que los hombres y los hombres afroamericanos en particular tienen un riesgo más alto de mortalidad por causa de COVID-19, los hombres en el condado de Los Ángeles, uh, específicamente los hombres afroamericanos y latinos, tienen una tasa de vacunación mucho más baja. En esta tabla vemos que se están vacunando menos hombres que mujeres, con solo el 30% de los hombres en el condado de Los Ángeles que se han recibido eh, que han recibido al menos una dosis de la vacuna hasta el 4 de abril, mientras que lo comparamos con el 44% de mujeres que, se, que han recibido al menos una dosis de la vacuna en el condado de Los Ángeles. Los hombres afroamericanos y latinos también están siendo vacunados con tasas más bajas comparados con los hombres asiáticos y blancos. Hasta el 4 de abril, solo el 19% de los hombres afroamericanos en el condado de Los Ángeles y el 17% de los hombres latinos habían recibido al menos una dosis de la vacuna, en comparación con el 35% de los hombres asiáticos y el 32% de los hombres blancos en Los Ángeles que recibieron uh, el al menos una dosis. Todos tenemos que trabajar mucho para asegurarnos de que los hombres que tienen las mayores posibilidades de morir por COVID-19 sean conscientes de su riesgo y sepan que pueden acceder a la vacunación fácilmente. Y los líderes y las familias pueden ayudar a asegurarse de que los hombres de sus comunidades y de sus familias sepan lo importantes que son y a dónde pueden ir para vacunarse. Next slide, please. Esta tabla muestra el resumen de nuestra distribución semanal de vacunas contra el COVID-19 por tipo de centros de vacunación. Esta semana hay 139,870 dosis que son para las primeras dosis y 183,600 uh, vacunas que son para las segundas dosis. Hay 395 centros de vacunación que ofrecen citas con una cantidad de, uh, uh, de las 323 perdón, 323,470 dosis totales que han sido asignadas al condado de Los Ángeles. Como recordatorio, esta tabla no incluye las dosis asignadas directamente por el gobierno federal, algunas farmacias del condado, centros de salud calificados a nivel federal y los centros de vacunación de FEMA, ni incluye las dosis asignadas por el estado a las grandes entidades de varios condados. Hay más de 300 centros de vacunación adicionales para las personas que se vacunan esta semana y reciben dosis no asignadas por el condado. Nuestra asignación para esta semana es de casi 80,000 dosis menos que la asignación de la semana pasada, en gran parte porque recibimos muchas menos dosis de Johnson Johnson esta semana. La semana pasada recibimos 118,000 dosis de Johnson Johnson y esta semana solo recibimos 19,600 dosis de Johnson Johnson. Si bien la cantidad de dosis que estamos recibiendo es baja, queremos recordarles a todas las ventajas de la vacuna Johnson Johnson, que al igual que las vacunas Pfizer y Moderna, demostró ser 100% efectiva para prevenir hospitalizaciones y fallecimientos durante el periodo de estudio clínico. A diferencia de las vacunas Pfizer y Moderna, que requieren dos dosis espaciadas por tres o cuatro semanas, Johnson Johnson requiere solo una dosis por la que es la opción más conveniente. 
Las personas que reciben Johnson Johnson también se consideran completamente vacunadas en un periodo de tiempo más corto, solo dos semanas después de su cita, mientras que las personas que reciben Pfizer o Moderna deben esperar cinco o seis semanas en total desde su primera dosis para ser consideradas completamente vacunadas. Casi 75 mil dosis, el 23% de nuestra asignación total se asignan a nuestros centros y clínicas de salud calificados a nivel federal que atienden a la población y trabajadores de las comunidades más afectadas. Se administrarán 66 mil dosis a través de los siete centros de vacunación del condado. Los centros de vacunación de la ciudad de Los Ángeles están vacunando a 58 mil personas a través de sus seis centros de vacunación y las farmacias están administrando más de 26 mil dosis. Es importante destacar que se administrarán 33 mil dosis a través de nuestros socios de los centros de vacunación móviles con un enfoque en las comunidades más afectadas con tasas de vacunación más bajas. La falta de suministro sigue frenando el ritmo al que podemos proporcionar vacunas. Actualmente, el condado tiene la capacidad de administrar 734 mil dosis de vacunas, que representa más del doble de la cantidad de vacunas que recibimos esta semana. Next slide, please. Esta semana, el condado de Los Ángeles comenzará la transición de dos centros de vacunación administrados por el condado. El próximo domingo 18 de abril, el centro de vacunación del condado en Magic Mountain eh, terminará con sus operaciones y a partir del lunes 19 de abril, los centros de vacunación en el, uh, el colegio llamado College of the Canyons um, y el centro del parque de recreación Palmdale Oasis comenzarán a operar. Estos dos nuevos centros de vacunación con centros de acceso directo y cada uno eh, tendrá la capacidad de administrar hasta 2,000 vacunas al día. El centro de vacunación del Sereno en el este de Los Ángeles ofrecerá vacunas hasta mañana, martes 13 de abril, y las operaciones de vacunación comenzarán en el Parque Eugene Obregón el próximo miércoles 14 de abril, y también tendrá la capacidad de administrar 2,000 dosis al día. El Centro Recreativo El Sereno y Magic Mountain han sido fundamentales en nuestros esfuerzos de vacunación, ya que cada uno proporcionó perdón, acceso a las vacunas a algunas de las comunidades más afectadas durante la pandemia, con tasas más altas de casos y fallecimientos. Estamos muy agradecidos con Magic Mountain, la ciudad de Los Ángeles, el Departamento de Recreación y Parques por uh, eh, trabajar con nosotros. Next slide, please. Seguimos comprometidos con aumentar el número de centros de vacunación en los códigos postales más afectados en el condado de Los Ángeles. En total, de los 709 centros de vacunación en todo el condado esta semana, el cual es la mayor cantidad de centros de vacunación que hemos tenido hasta la fecha, 266 de estos centros de vacunación están ubicados en las comunidades más afectadas. Estas son comunidades con altas tasas de casos y bajas tasas de vacunación. 102 de los centros de vacunación en el condado de Los Ángeles son centros de vacunación nuevos que se instalaron en, eh, recientemente como parte de la Asociación Federal de Farmacias. 
Los centros de vacunación en todo el condado son administrados por hospitales, farmacias, centros de salud calificados a nivel federal, clínicas comunitarias, el gobierno municipal eh, del condado y federal y entidades de varios condados. Y agradecemos a todos los proveedores por su excelente trabajo. Next slide, please. Los equipos móviles de vacunación continuarán administrando vacunas esta semana con eh, la prioridad de vacunar a la población de 65 años o más, incluidas las personas de las comunidades, comunidades más afectadas que están eh, confinados en sus hogares o que tienen uh, movilidad limitada. 95 equipos móviles de vacunación están programados para administrar vacunas esta semana en centros residenciales para personas mayores de la, de la tercera edad, organizaciones religiosas y comunitarias. Estos centros móviles de vacunación son fundamentales para nuestro esfuerzo para vacunar a las comunidades más afectadas con tasas de vacunación más bajas o con falta de acceso. Es importante destacar que en las próximas semanas se programarán 237 centros móviles de vacunación adicionales en todo nuestro condado. Next slide, please. También estamos haciendo varios cambios a la orden del funcionario de salud que entrarán en vigor el 15 de abril. Estos cambios están alineados con los protocolos estatales sobre eventos y actuaciones en vivo en espacios interiores, reuniones y eventos privados eh, como conferencias, recepciones y reuniones privadas. P publicaremos esta orden actualizada eh, que refleja estas modificaciones en nuestro, en nuestro sitio web en los próximos días. A partir de este jueves, se permitirán presentaciones y eventos en vivo en espacios interiores en el condado de Los Ángeles con las siguientes medidas de seguridad. Los eventos y presentaciones en, vivos, en vivo en espacios interiores están disponibles solo para visitantes del estado, quienes deben comprar boletos digitales con anticipación. No se permite comer o beber mientras está sentado y para ello habrá áreas preestablecidas para comer. Si deben usar, eh, se deben usar mascarillas en todo momento, excepto en las áreas designadas para comer. Debe haber seis pies de distancia entre, los hogar, eh, entre las personas, um, o entre los varios hogares, a menos que las personas estén completamente vacunadas. Con respecto a los eventos al aire libre, los empleadores deben hacerle las pruebas a sus empleados seman semanalmente. Para, las lu para lugares con capacidad eh, para 1,500 personas, hay un límite de capacidad de 200 personas, eh, quizá menos, eh, es decir, un 15% de capacidad máxima. Sin embargo, este límite de capacidad puede aumentar al 35% si todos los invitados se han hecho la prueba o están vacunados. Para lugares con capacidad para más de 1,500 personas, hay un límite de capacidad del 10% o, eh, o menos de 2,000 personas, aunque el límite de capacidad pueda aumentar al 25% si todos los invitados se han hecho la prueba o están vacunados. Next slide, please. 
Estamos modificando los protocolos para reuniones sociales privadas o informales. Las reuniones al aire libre pueden tener hasta un máximo de 50 personas. Se eh, va a requerir el uso de mascarillas en todo momento a menos que las personas estén comiendo o bebiendo. Debe haber seis pies de distancia entre mesas y sillas. Los asientos en las mesas están restringidos a, persona, a seis personas de hasta tres hogares. Si todas las personas están vacunadas, el límite de capacidad en las mesas no es necesario. Se permite, permitirán reuniones y eventos privados como conferencias, recepciones a, eh, a partir del eh, jueves 15 de abril con las siguientes medidas de seguridad. Debe haber una lista de invitados definida o se deben comprar boletos. Se deben usar mascarillas en todo momento, a menos de las que las personas del evento estén comiendo o bebiendo. Debe haber seis pies de distancia entre las mesas y sillas uh, para las personas no vacunadas. Debe haber un asiento asignado a, a una mesa eh, y una tabla de asientos con un uh, máximo de seis personas por mesa para los invitados no vacunados. Y no puede haber una mezcla de múltiples eventos privados. Para eventos privados al aire libre, se permite un máximo de 100 personas, uh, pero ese límite puede aumentar a 300 personas si los invitados se han hecho la prueba o están vacunados. Las mesas también están limitadas a 6 personas uh, de un máximo de 3 hogares, a menos que todos en la mesa estén vacunados. Los eventos privados en espacios interiores solo se permiten si todos los invitados se han hecho la prueba o están um, vacunados y solo tiene un límite de 150 invitados. Next slide, please. También estamos modificando los protocolos para reuniones privadas, sociales o informales. Eh, las reuniones al aire libre pueden tener hasta un máximo de 50 personas. Eh, se va a requerir el uso de mascarillas en todo momento, a menos de, la, de que las personas estén comiendo o bebiendo. Debe haber una distancia de seis pies entre mesas y sillas y estar ocupada por miembros de uno, un hogar o un grupo de seis personas de tres hogares, a menos que estén vacunados. Y como siempre, las personas sin síntomas no deben estar en ninguna reunión. Se permiten reuniones privadas en espacios interiores pero se hace énfasis en de que no se hagan este tipo de reuniones. Realmente no son aconsejables. Si elige realizar una reunión privada en espacios interiores, las modificaciones de seguridad recomendadas incluyen un máximo de 25 personas o un límite de capacidad del 25% cuando, están, eh, cuando existan límites de capacidad. Se deben usar las mascarillas en todo momento, a menos de que todos estén completamente vacunados. Y no se puede comer y beber a menos de que todas las personas que asistan al evento estén completamente vacunados, excepto los miembros de un hogar que no hayan personas que tengan alto riesgo. Um, you can take down the slides now. Afortunadamente, California y el Condado de Los Ángeles aún no han visto los aumentos que están eh, experimentando muchos otros estados y comunidades en todo el país. 
Estamos muy agradecidos con nuestra población y los negocios que han hecho todo lo posible para frenar la propagación de este virus mortal que se ha cobrado la vida de muchos de nuestros amigos y familiares. Como muchos de ustedes, tenemos la esperanza por primera vez en mucho tiempo, lo que hace que sea aún más crítico que todos sigamos las medidas de seguridad. No, no podemos darnos por vencidos. Continúe usando su uh, máscara y con, eh, manteniendo la distancia física de, los demás, de las demás personas cuando se encuentren en lugares públicos. Y revise la información sobre la seguridad uh, y, y qué tan eficaz son las vacunas que están actualmente disponibles para protegernos contra COVID-19 para cuando sea su turno de vacunarse se sienta cómodo dando ese importante paso. And now, um, it looks like it looks like we do not have any questions in Spanish, so we'll go ahead to remarks in Armenian. Thank you. Bari or bolorin. Snurakalsun veras kitch solisin, yev ambocht veras to kitch horatin. I saw yes canergas nem tarmatsumner, covid tasne ini depkeri, hospitalatsman, mahvan depkeri, yev arochapatan spai ramanagri popohutsumeri masi, borong uji machen matnelu april tasne hingit. Yes naev kategats nem patvastanuteri merjankeri masi, yev kakanarkem, Los Angeles sojanerum, Tramartan sojanum mahatsuchan aveli barter makardaki, yev patvastumneri tatar makardaki head kapfats. Մտահոգություններ։ <San> Մեկ անձի տարիքը 30:49-ն է եւ նույնպես չի ունեցել օգտող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 411 նոր դեպքերի մասին։ Սա բերում է Los Angeles շրջանի դրական դեպքերի ընդհանուրթիվը 1,226,199։ Այս դեպքերը ներառում են 52,479-ը Long Beach քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից հաղորդված դեպքեր, իսկ Pasadena քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 11169 դեպքեր, որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահական բաժանումներ։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 470 մարդ, որոնցից 24%-ը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանմունքում։ Institutional Michavairum has that vats and Hanul Tepkere in the Sun Yot Hazard in the Har in the Sun Otnen, Neradial and Nakasma Yev Benakichnere. I step Keritz Karasun Hazard, Vetsar Utsun Yereka Benakichnere, Yev Hitsun Yot Hazard, Yereka, Tasna Hinka and Nakas. Avelikan Vets Milon Marta Stavur Belen, Yev Artsunkneres, I could spell in Los Angeles of Jan, Borontitz Havakakan, Tasne Inna Tokosa Drakana. Tepkere is dervagi yev amsatvi tendenci. Aprili chorsi derutam, yotoria michin oregan depkeri kanaga, as dervagi amsatvi, menume oregan mot chorsaur nor depkeri. Aprili chorsin, avartvok shapatva hamar, 
մեր ամենօրյա թվերը այժմ ավելի ցածր են, քան մենք հաղորդել ենք 1 տարի առաջ նախորդ տարվա ապրիլի սկզբին համաճարակի սկզբում։ Երբ մենք հաղորդեցինք 606 ամենօրյա դեպք ըստ դրվագի ամսաթվի։ 2020 թվականի ապրիլի 4-ին դեպքեր մահեր հիվանդանոց հիվանդանոցներ 2020 թվականի մարտի 1-ից միջև 2021 թվականի ապրիլի 4-ը մարտ ամսվա ընթացքում դեպքերը հոսպիտալացում է եւ մահացությունը նվազել է մեկ ամիս առաջ մարտի 4-ին մենք հաղորդում ենք ամեն օր 657 դեպքեր եւ այդ ժամանակից ի վեր մենք ամեն օրյա դեպքերի թիվը 38%-ով նվազում է գրանցվել ապրիլի 4-ին ընկնելով 403 դեպք Հոսպիտալացման օրեկան թիվը նույնիսկ ավելի մեծ անկում է ունեցել 56%-ով ընկելը մարտի 4-ից։ 1335 ամենօրյա հոսպիտալացումը ապրիլի 4-ին գրանցվել է 583 ամենօրյա հոսպիտալացում։ Ի վերջին ամսվա ընթացքում ամենօրյա մահվան դեպքերը նվազել են 84%-ով։ Մարտի 4-ին տեղի ունեցած 51 ամենօրյա մահից ապրիլի 4-ին գրանցված օրեկան ընդամենը 8 մահվան դեպքեր։ Ակնհայտ է, որ քանի որ մենք ավելի շատ հնարավորություններ ունենք մեր տնից դուրս գալու, մարդկանց հետ շփվելու, վերականգնման ճանապարհը շարունակելու համար մենք պետք է համոզվենք, որ հավատարի մենք ողջամտության անվտանգության միջոցներին, որպեսի դեպքերը աջ չտեսնենք։ Բռնոկումների թիվը նույնպես գալիորեն նվազել է ծմռան ալիքից հետո, երբ համաճարակն ամենավատ վիճակում էր։ Իհարկե որոշ վայրերում բռնոկումները զգալիորեն նվազումը նաև արտացոլում է աշխատողների պատվաստումների մակարդակի աճի հետ։ Առողջապահական հաստատություններում, հմուտ բուժքորական հաստատություններում եւ այլ երկարատև խնամքի եւ այլ բնակավայրային համաճարակների բռնկումները նույնատիպ անկումներ են եղել։ Սեպտեմբերի սկզբին գրանցվել է 2012 բռնկում երկարատև խնամքի եւ այլ հավակների խնամքի բնակելի վայրերում։ Հունվարի վերջում այդ թիվը 28 բռնկում է եւ մարտի 28-ի շաբաթվադրությամբ գրանցվել է 0 բռնկում երկարաժամկետ խնամքի եւ բնակավայրային պայմաններում։ Սեպտեմբերի սկզբին ալիքի գագաթնակետին հասնելու ընթացքում Լոս Անջելոս շրջանի հմուտ բուժքարական հաստատություններին տեղ ունեցավ 92 բռնկում։ Գրանցվել է նաև 29 բռնկում առողջապահական հաստատություններում, ինչպեսիք են հիվանդանոցներ, դիալիզի կենտրոններ եւ ամբուլատոր առողջապահական հաստատություններ։ Այդ ժամանակից ի վեր մարտի 28-ի շաբաթվադրությամբ հմուտ բուժքույրական հաստատություններում եւ առողջապահական հաստատություններում բռնկումների թիվը 0-ի է հասել։ Այս հաստատություններում աշխատողների եւ բնակիչների մեծամասնությունը այժմ ամբողջովին պատվաստված է, ավելացնելով վիրուսի փոխանցման դեմ պաշտպանության լրացուցիչ շերտ։ Մենք երախտապարտ ենք բոլորին, ովքեր այս կայքերում պատվաստումների հնարավորություններ են ընձեռնում Եվ շնորհակալություն ենք հայտնում բոլոր աշխատողներին եւ բնակիչներին պատվաստումներ կատարելու համար։ Դա հսկայական փոփոխություն է տարածումը նվազեցնելու հարցում։ 
Ապրիլի 4-ի դրությամբ Լոս Անջելոսում բնակիչների եւ աշխատողների պատվաստելու մեր ընդհանուր ջանքերի մասին տեղեկացնելու համար մենք կառավարել ենք ավելի քան 5.1 միլիոն պատվաստանյութ։ Դրանցից 3.3 միլիոնը եղել են առաջին տեղաչափեր, իսկ ավելի քան 1.1 միլիոնը երկրորդ տեղաչափեր։ Որպես հիշեցում, այս հինգշաբթի օրվանից սկսած Los Angeles շրջանի բնակվող 16 տարեկան եւ ավել տարիքի յուրաքանչյուր անց իրավուն կստանա պատվաստման իսկ 4 շաբթի օրը my turn իմ հերթը կայքը կթարմացվի արտացոլելու իրավասության փոփոխությունը սա նշանակում է որ 16 տարեկան եւ բարձր տարիքի բնակիչները կարող են սկսել հանդիպումներ նշանակել 5 շաբթի եւ հետագայում սկսած 4 շաբթի օրերին խնդրում ենք նկատի ունենալ որ 16 եւ 17 տարեկան երիտասարդները կարող են ստանալ միայն Pfizer պատվաստանյութը եւ անհրաժեշտ է գրանցվել այդ այս պատվաստանյութը առաջարկող կայքերում 18 տարին չլրացրած անձի համար Moderna կամ Johnson Johnson պատվաստանյութը օգտագործելու թույլտվություն չկա Los Angeles շրջանի Sevamort Arakan Seri Benakichneri Mahatsutsuna 267 mahe amen 100000 martun isk latinakan tgamartkanz hamar mahatsutsuna 490 mahe amen 100000 martun sa asiakan arakan serri mot mahatsutsan makartaki grete 2.5 kes ankam bartsve isk spitak tgamartkanz mahatsutsan hamat aveli kan 3 ankam bartsve Ցավոք չնայած COVID-19 մահանալու վտանգը զգալիորեն ավելի մեծ է տղամարդկանց եւ հատկապես գունավոր տղամարդկանց մոտ Los Angeles շրջանի տղամարդիկ մասնավորապես Sevamort եւ լատինական տղամարդիկ պատվաստումների շատ ավելի ցածր մակարդակ ունեն։ Los Angeles շրջանի տղամարդկանց միայն 30%-ն է ապրիլի 4-ի դրությամբ առնվազը մեկ պատվաստանյութ ստացել մինչդեր կանանց 44%-ն է ստացել։ Սևամորթ եւ լատինական տղամարդիկ նույնպես պատվաստում են բոլորի ամենացածր ցուցանիշներով։ Ապրիլի 4-ի դրությամբ Los Angeles շրջանի Սևամորթ տղամարդկանց միայն 19%-ը եւ լատինական տղամարդկանց 17%-ը ստացել են պատվաստանյութի առնվազը մեկ տեղաչափ։ Համատած ասիական տղամարդկանց 35%-ի Եվ Los Angeles Spitak տղամարդկանց 32%-ի հետ։ Մենք բոլորս պետք է շատ ավելի աշխատենք, որպեսզի համոզվենք, որ տղամարդիկ, ովքեր ամենամեծ հավանականություն ունեն մահանալու COVID-19-ից, տեղյակ լինեն իրենց ռիսկի մասին եւ որ նրանց համար հեշտացնում են պատվաստումը։ COVID-19-ի վիրուսից պաշտպանվող 3 հասանելի պատվաստանյութերի անվտանգության եւ արդյունավերության մասին ճշգրի տեղեկությունները պետք է լայնորեն մատչելի լինեն։ Եվ ռեկավարներն ու ընտանիքները կարող են օգնել համոզվել, որ իրենց համայնքների տղամարդիկ իմանան, թե որքանով կարևոր է նրանք եւ որտեղ կարող են գնալ պատվաստումներ կատարելու։ Սա հատկապես վերաբերում է գունավոր տղամարդկանց։ Մենք նաև կրկին խնդրում ենք մեր բիզնեսներին օգնելու, որ աշխատողները հեշտության պատվաստվեն եւ պատվաստումների կայքերը եւ վճարովի արձակորդ առաջարկեն նրանց պատվաստանյութերը ստանալու կայք այցելողների համար։ 
Մեր շապատական COVID-19 պատվաստոանյութերի պաշխման ամպոպ նկարագիրը աստ կայքերի տեսակի։ Այս շապատ առաջին դեղաճապերի համար հասանելի 139,870, իսկ եկրոր դեղաճապերի համար անռաժեշտ է 183,600 դեղաճապ։ Կան 395 պատվաստումների կայքեր, որոնք առաջարկում են հանդիպումներ լոսանջողը շրջանի հատկացված 323,470 ընդհանուր չապաբաժիններ։ Այս շապատ պատվաստումներ կարող են ավելի կան 300 լրացուցիչ կայքեր կան, որոնք ստանում են ոչ մարզային հատկացված դեղաճապես Կանի որ այս շապատ մենք շատ ավելի կիչ դեղաճապ ստացանք ջոնսըն ջոնսնեց։ Անցար շապատ մենք ստացանք 118,000 ջոնսըն ջոնսնի չապաբաժիններ, իսկ այս շապատ ընդհամենը 19,600 ջոնսըն ջոնսնի չապաբաժին։ Չնայա� որի ինչպես Pfizer և Moderna պատվաստանյութերը ապացուցվեց, որ շատ արդյունավետը կլինիկական փորձարկումների ընթացքում, հոսպիտալացման և մահվան տեպքերը կանխելու հարցում։ Ի տարվերություն Pfizer-ը և Moderna Մարդիկ, ովքեր ջոնսը և ջոնսըն են ստանում, անբողջովին պատվաստում են պատվաստումներից ընդհամենը երկու շապատ անց, մինչ դեր Pfizer կամ Moderna ստացողները պետք է ընդհանուր արմամբ հինգից կամ վեջ շապատ սպասեն իրենց տրամադրվում է մեր որակավորված առողջության կենտրոններին և կլինիկաներին, որոնք սպասարգում են ծանր տուժած հայմայքների բնակիչներին և աշխատողներին։ 26,000 դեղաճապ կգիրարվի 7 բարճաշրջանների կայքերով։ լոս հիրականացվեն պատվաստումների մեր շրջանական գործ ընկերների միջոցով, կենտրոնանալով ծանր պատվաստումների ավելի ծածր մակարդակ ունեցող խամենքների վետ։ Մատակարարման պակասը շահանակում է դանդաղեցնել այն տեմպերը, ինչը կկրկնակի ավելի կան այս շապած տացած պատպաստանյութերի կանակը։ լոս անջելոսի շրջան այս շապատ անցում է կատարում շրջանի կողմից հեկավարվող երկու կայքերի։ Հաջորդ գիրակի ապրելի 18-ին մեջիք Սանտա կլարիտայի քոլեջի և պամդելի ու ազիս պարկի պատվասման վայրերը։ 
Aravelian Pamdeli Hangisti Kentrona Kaskasi Gortel. Ai Sirkun Norkai Keres, Bosanki Vairen, Irakanchur Hanarautsun Kunena Orekan Michel, Yerku Hazar Patvaspum Irakanatsner. El Serono Patvaspum Neri Kaika, Aravelian Los Angeles Kaikum, Aracharkum Patvaspum Ner Michel Bagan. Երեք շապտի ապրիլի 13-ին եւ Պատվաստանյութի գործողությունները կսկսվեն Յուջին Ավրիգոն Փարքում այս առաջիկա 4-եկ շապտի ապրիլի 14-ին եւ ունեն նաեւ օրեկան 2000 դեղաչափեր կառավարելու հնարավորություն։ Մենք շարունակում ենք հավատարի մնալ Los Angelesում ցածր հարված հասցված փոստային կոդերում պատվաստումների կայքերի քանակի ավելացման։ Antanur Armap, Ashapatva Shajani, Yotar, in a Patvasumeri Kaikerit, Borung Ameni Chat Patvasumeren Kayatrel, Katnomen Avelit Tujat Hamank Nerum, Srank Hamank Nerum, Borons Tepkere Mezen, Patvasumeri Tatar Maka Dakmerume. Patvasta Nuteri Sharjagan Hambere, Kusharnagan, Patvasta Nutel Nerakel, Ashapat. Arachnaher Patvasdelu Vatsun Hink Tarikanits Avel Tariki Bnaikichneri. Nerarial Zaner Tujat Hamaiknerum, Borong Sahmana Pak, Sharjanakunchununa. Patvastumneri in a sun hink sharjakan timere, nahat estumen aishapat patvastumner irakanatsnel, taritsneri bnakara in vairum, taritsneri kentronerum, havatki kazmaker putsunerum, we have hamainkain kazmaker putsunerum. Այս կայքերը կարևոր նշանակություն են ծանր տուժած համայնքները պատվաստելու ներջանքերի համար կամ պատվաստումների ցածր մակարդակներով կամ հասանելության բացակայության։ Առաջիկա շափատների ընթացքում մեր շրջանի ամբողջ տարածքում նախատեսնում են լրացուցիչ 237 շարժական Մենք նաև մի քանի փոփոխություններ ենք կատարում առողջապահության սպայի հերամանագրում, որոնք ուժի մեջ կմտնեն ապրիլի 15-ից։ Այս փոփոխությունները համահունջ են նախագծի պետական փոփոխություններին, որոնք վերաբերվում են փակ կենդանի իրադարձությունների եւ ներկայացումների մասնավոր հանդիպումների, ինչպեսինք են համաժողովները, ընդունելությունները եւ հանդիպումները եւ ոչ ֆորմալ հավաքույտները։ Մենք այս փոփոխությունները արտացոլող առողջապահության սպայի նորացված ռամանը կտեղադրենք մեր կայքում 4 շաբթի այդ ոլորտների ծիրականչուրի համար արդյունագրություններ կատարված փոփոխությունների հետ միասին։ Այս 5 շաբթի օրվանից Los Angelesի կոմսությունում փոլատրվում է անցկացնել փակ կենդանի միջոցառումներ եւ ելույթներ հետեւյալ անվտանգության միջոցներով։ Nerkin, Kentani Michotarum Nerkatsumere, Karo and Batsfield, Mansur Jani, Aiteluneri Hamar, of Kerpetke Nach Ganan Tomsere. Utelia Hamel Chitulaturum Vorebeter, Patsarutam Nahapes, Nushanakvats, Sunanditarats Nerum. The Magnere Petke Karel, Tankatsats by him, Patsarutam Ein Depkeri, Yep Nahates Navatan Uteli Vairej. Tarbir and Tanikneri Michev, Petkelini, Vets Food Heravurutun, Kani Dermartik, Ambochovin Patvastvats Chen. Inch Verabirme Batuciak and Tani Iradar Tsunerin, Porta Tunere, Petke Shapatakan, Ashatoneri Portakman, Zagira Racharken. I'm Vairedi Hamar, 
որտեղ տեղավորվում են միջև 1500 մարդ կա առավելագույն հզորության սամանապակում, 15 տոպոս կամ 200 մարդ, որը պակաս կլինի։ Այն ամենայնև կարողությունների սամանը կարող է աջել միջև 35 տոպոս, եթե բոլոր հյուրեր հետազոտվեն և պետք է լինի սամանված հյուրերի ծանք կամ տոմսեր պետք է գնվեն։ Դիմակները պետք է մշտապես գրել, եթե մասնակիսները չեն ուտում կամ խումում։ Սղանները և աթորների միջև պետք է լինեն 6 վուտ հրավորություն Եվ չի կարող լինել բազմաթիվ մասնավոր իրադարձությունների խարնաշուպ որ։ Պացոթյան մասնավոր միջոցարումների համար հուլատրվում է առավելագույն է հարյուր մարդ, բայց այդ սահմանը կարող է աջել միջև երեկ հարյուր Հակ մասնավոր միջոցառումները թույլատրվում են միայն այն դեպքում, եթե բոլոր հյուրերը ստուգվեն կամ պատվաստվեն 150 հյուրերի սահմանը։ Մենք նաև փոպոխում ենք արդյունագրությունները մասնավոր սոցիալական Սղաների և աթորների միջև պետք է լինի 6 պուտ հերավորություն, Սղաների մոտ նստատեղերը սահմանապակվում են 6 անձով, եթե բոլորը պատվաստված են, Սղաներում կարողությունների սամանը անռաժաշ չէ։ Եվ ինչպես միշտ անվտանգության հետևյալ փոպոխությունները պահանջվում են։ Առավելագույնը 25 մարդ կամ 25 տոքոս կարողությունների սահման, որտեղ կարողությունների սահմանապակումներ կան։ Դիմակները պետք է մշտապես գրել, եթե ամբողջության պատվաստվել են բացարության մեկ ընտանիքի անդամների, որոնք չունեն բարձը ռիսկային անձին։ Բարի բաղտաբար կալիվորնյան և լոս անջելոս վարճաշրջանը դրջեն տեսել այն աջերը, ինչը այդքան որը խլեց մեր շատ ընկերների և ընտանիքների անդամների կյանքը։ Հնդրում եմ շահանակել կրել ձեր դիմակները և վիզիկապես հերումնալ ուրիշներից հասարակության մեջ։ Եվ խնդրում եմ վերանայել COVID-19-ին Շնորակալություն։ Սենք ու։
Now the remarks in Korean. Yugamsrobkedo 오늘 411건의 새로운 케이스가 보고되었고 이로써 LA 카운티에서의 총 케이스 수는 126,191건입니다. 현재 코비드19로 470명이 병원에 입원해 있으며 24%가 중환자실에 입원해 있습니다. 현재까지 600만 명이 테스트를 받았으며 누적 확진률은 19%입니다. 4월 14일까지 7일 평균 1일 케이스 수는 하루에 약 400건이었습니다. 이 수치는 1년 전 4월 판다믹 시초보다도 낮은 수치인데 2020년 4월 4일에는 606건의 1일 케이스 수였습니다. 2020년 3월 1일부터 2021년 4월 4일까지 케이스 수와 병원 입원자 수, 사망자 수 모두 감소하고 있습니다. 한달 전인 3월 4일 657개의 일일 케이스가 있었는데 이 수치는 38% 감소하여 4월 4일에는 403개의 일일 케이스 수가 보고되었습니다. 3월 4일부터 병원 입원자 수도 56% 감소하여 1335건에서 4월 4일에는 584건으로 감소하였습니다. 지난 한 달간 일일 사망자 수도 84%가 줄어들어서 3월 4일에는 51건에서 4월 4일에는 단지 8건이었습니다. 발병률도 크게 감소하였는데 오피스나 창고, 건설 현장 또한 다른 비식품 장소들을 포함한 작업장에서 11월 22일 주간에 최고 159개의 발병률이 있었는데 2월 28일 주간에는 단지 6개로 줄어들었습니다. 3월 28일 주간에는 약간 증가하여 11개의 발병률이 있었습니다. 2월 6일 주간에 노숙자들 간에 83개의 발병률이 있었는데 3월 28일 주간에는 매우 감소하여서 단지 2개의 발병률이 있었습니다. 12월 6일 주간에는 식품, 공장, 시설에서 62개의 발병률이 있었고 학교와 보육시설에서는 47개의 발병률이 있었습니다. 그런데 3월 28일 주간에는 학교와 보육시설에서 단지 5개의 발병률이 있었고 식품공장시설에서는 발병률이 없었습니다. 3월 말에는 여러 숭배 장소나 소방, 응급서비스, 교정시설에서도 발병률이 없었습니다. 매우 낮은 이와 같은 발병률은 커뮤니티 확산이 줄어들고 있고 이 장소들의 많은 근로자들이 백신 접종을 받았다는 것을 보여줍니다. 12월 초에 장기 요양시설과 다른 공동 거주시설에서 212개의 발병률이 있었는데 1월 말에는 이 수치가 28개로 줄어들었고 3월 28일 주간에는 발병률이 없었습니다. 12월 초에 전문 간호시설에서 92개의 발병률이 있었는데 병원과 다이아르스 센터 외래 의료 서비스 시설에서 29개의 발병률이 있었습니다. 그 후로 3월 28일 주간에는 
전문 간호시설과 의료서비스 시설에서 발병률이 없었습니다. 이 시설들에서는 대부분의 근로자들과 거주민들이 이제 완전히 백신 접종을 받은 상태입니다. 4월 4일까지 카운티에서는 510만 개의 백신을 접종하였습니다. 이중 330만 개는 첫 번째 도수였고 180만 개는 두 번째 도수였습니다. 이번 주 목요일부터 LA 카운티에 살고 있는 16세 이상 누구나 백신 접종 자격이 있다는 점을 상기시켜 드립니다. 마이턴 웹사이트에서는 수요일에 자격 조건이 바뀐 점이 반영될 것입니다. 그러므로 16세 이상의 주민분들은 수요일부터 목요일이나 그 후의 날짜를 예약하실 수 있겠습니다. 16세나 17세는 화이저 백신만을 받으실 수 있고 이 백신을 제공하는 장소에서 신청하셔야 합니다. 18세 이하는 모더나나 존슨앤전슨 백신이 허가되지 않았음을 알려드립니다. LA 카운티에서 남성과 여성 사이에 사망률이 큰 차이가 있음을 보게 되었습니다. 남성과 여성 모두 비슷한 케이스류를 가지고 있음에도 불구하고 그렇습니다. 남자는 10만 명당 11,330 케이스, 여자는 10만 명당 11,866 케이스가 보고되었는데 4월 10일에 여성의 누적 사망률은 10만 명당 153명이었고 남성은 2배인 10만 명당 289명이었습니다. 흑인과 라틴 계열 남성들의 사망률은 동양인이나 백인 남성보다 더 높은 것으로 보고 있습니다. LA 카운티에서 흑인 남성 사망률은 10만 명당 267명, 라틴 계열의 사망, 남성 사망률은 10만 명당 490명입니다. 이 수치는 동양인 남성보다 2.5배 이상 높고 백인 남성보다 3배 높은 사망률이었습니다. 유감스럽게도 남성, 특히 유색인종 남성이 사망률이 높음에도 불구하고 낮은 백신 접종률을 보이고 있습니다. 4월 4일까지 단지 30%의 남성이 적어도 한번 백신 접종을 받았으며 44%의 여성이 적어도 한번 백신 접종을 받았습니다. 4월 4일까지 LA 카운티에서 흑인 남성 중에 단지 19%가 한번 백신 접종을 받았고 라틴 계열 남성 중에서는 17%, 동양인 남성은 35%, 백인 남성은 32%가 한번 접종을 받았습니다. 지난 토요일에 백신 접종 장소에서 한 아버지를 만나게 되었는데 성인 자녀 두명을 백신 접종을 받을 수 있도록 데려왔습니다. 그런데 대화 중에 이 아버지는 아직 백신 접종을 받지 않았음을 알게 되었습니다. 자녀들이 백신을 받는 것은 매우 중요하다고 생각하였지만 자기 자신에 대해서는 그렇게 걱정을 하고 있지 않았습니다. 우리가 데이터에서도 보여주듯이 우리는 커뮤니티에 있는 남성들이 백신 접종을 받을 수 있도록 더 노력합니다. 또한 사업체들은 직원들이 백신 접종을 쉽게 받을 수 있도록 하고 백신 접종 장소를 제공하고 백신을 받을 수 있도록 유급 휴가를 주도록 해주시기를 부탁드립니다. 이번 주에 13만 9,870개의 백신 주사가 첫 번째 도수로 할당되었으며 18만 3,600개는 두 번째 접종에 사용될 것입니다. 395개의 접종 장소에서 총 32만 3,470개의 백신들이 접종될 것입니다. 다시 말씀드리지만 이 수치는 연방정부에서 직접 할당을 받는 몇 카운티 약국이나 
FQHC 또는 FEMA 백신 접종 장소에서 제공되는 백신들은 포함하지 않음을 알려드립니다. 이번 주에는 300개의 추가의 장소들에서 카운티 외에 할당된 이런 백신들이 제공될 것입니다. 이번 주에 받은 할당량은 지난주보다 8만 개가 저, 적은데 전슨앤전슨에서 약 19,600개만 받았기 때문입니다. 받는 양이 적긴 하지만 존슨앤존슨 백신의 장점을 상기시켜드리고 싶습니다. 파이저와 모더나와 마찬가지로 존슨 백신은 임상실험에서 병원 입원율과 사망률을 막는 데 매우 효과적임이 보여졌습니다. 파이저와 모더나는 3, 4주 사이에 두 번의 접종 주사를 맞아야 하지만 존슨앤존슨은 한 번만 맞으면 되기 때문에 편리할 수 있습니다. 또한 존슨의 백신을 맞으신 분들은 2주 후에 완전히 백신이 접종된 것이지만 화이저나 모더나를 받으시면 첫 접종부터 5주에서 6주를 기다려야 완전히 접종이 되었다고 하실 수 있습니다. 다음 주 일요일 4월 18일에 카운티 백신 접종 장소인 매직 마운트는 놀이동산 영업을 재개하기 때문에 백신 접종을 중단할 것입니다. 4월 19일 월요일부터 산타클라라에 위치한 컬리지 오브 캐니언 그리고 이스트 팜데일에 위치한 팜데일 오아시스 파크 리크레이션 센터에서 접종을 시작하게 될 것입니다. 이두 장소들은 걸어서 가는 장소이고 하루에 약 2,000개까지도 접종을 할수 있습니다. 4월 13일 화요일 내일까지에만 엘세르노 백신에이션 장소가 접종을 제공할 것이며 4월 14일 수요일부터는 유진 오브레곤 파크에서 백신을 접종을 제공 시작하게 될 것입니다. 이번 주에 총 709개의 백신 접종 장소가 운영되고 있고 이중 266개는 가장 타격이 큰 커뮤니티에 위치해 있습니다. 이 커뮤니티들은 케이스류를 높고 백신 접종률이 낮은 장소 낮은 지역입니다. 이 중에 102개의 장소는 새로운 장소들인데 연방적 양국 파트너십의 일부로 선정된 장소들입니다. 모빌 백신 팀도 계속해서 백신 접종을 하고 있는데 65세 이상의 타격이 큰 커뮤니티에 사는 주민들 중에 집에 갇혀 있거나 이동에 제한이 있으신 분들을 우선순위로 하고 있습니다. 95개의 모빌 백신 접종팀이 시니어 하우징 장소와 시니어 센터, 종교 기반 단체, 커뮤니티 기반 단체에서 접종을 하도록 계획되어 있습니다. 4월 15일부터 보건 담당자 명령에 여러 가지 변화가 있을 것인데 수요일에 웹사이트의 각 사업체들의 바뀐 프로토콜과 업데이트된 담당자 명령을 게시할 것입니다. 이번 주 목요일부터 실내 라이브 이벤트와 공연이 허가될 것인데 다음에 안전지칙을 따라야 할 것입니다. 실내 라이브 이벤트와 공연은 주 내에서만 방문자들을 받을 수 있고 꼭 미리 티켓을 사야 합니다. 식사를 위해 미리 정해진 장소 외에서는 먹거나 마시는 것이 허가되지 않을 것입니다. 마련된 먹는 장소 외에는 항상 마스크를 사용해야 합니다. 모든 사람이 완전히 백신 접종을 받지 않았다면 다른 가구들 사이에 6피트의 거리 두기를 꼭 유지해야 합니다. 야외 라이브 이벤트와 관련해서 고용주는 매주 고용인 테스트 프로그램을 제공해야 합니다. 1,500명까지 수용하는 장소들은 
최고 수용 인원의 15%나 200명 중더 작은 수를 사람들을 허가됩니다. 그러나 모든 손님이 테스트를 받았거나 백신 접종을 받았다면 수용 인원을 35%까지 늘릴 수 있습니다. 1,500명 이상을 수용하는 장소에서는 최고 수용 인원의 10%나 2,000명 중더 작은 수가 허용됩니다. 1,500명 이상 수용하는 장소는 또한 모든 손님들이 테스트를 받았거나 백신 접종을 받았다면 수용 인원을 25%까지 늘릴 수 있습니다. 컨퍼런스와 리셉션, 미팅과 같은 사적 모임은 다음에 안전지침에 따라 4월 15일 목요일부터 허용될 것입니다. 정해진 손님 리스트나 미리 구입된 티켓이 있어야 합니다. 참석자가 먹거나 마신 때를 제외하고는 항상 마스크를 사용하여야 합니다. 백신 접종을 받지 않는 손님들을 위해 테이블과 의자 사이에 6피트의 거리를 두어야 합니다. 또한 백신 접종을 받지 않는 손님들을 위해 테이블당 최대 6명까지 앉도록 미리 좌석을 배정해야 합니다. 여러 사교 모임 간에 서로 섞여서는 안될 것입니다. 야외 사적 이벤트는 최대 100명까지 허용이 되고 모든 손님이 테스트를 받거나 백신 접종을 받았다면 300명까지도 허가될 수 있습니다. 모두가 백신 접종을 받지 않았다면 테이블은 6명까지 최대 3가구에서 앉을 수 있습니다. 실내 사적인 이벤트는 모든 손님이 테스트를 받았거나 접종을 받았다면 150명까지 허용이 됩니다. 야외 모임은 최대 50명까지 모일 수 있습니다. 먹거나 마실 때를 제외하고는 항상 마스크를 써야 하며 테이블과 의자 사이에 6피트의 거리를 두어야 합니다. 테이블에 앉을 때에는 3가구에서 6명까지 앉을 수 있습니다. 만약 모두가 백신 접종을 마쳤다면 테이블에 제한이 없을 것입니다. 언제나 그렇듯이 증상이 있거나 코비드19 테스트의 양성을 받으신 분들은 어느 모임에도 참석하셔서는 안 됩니다. 실내 사교 모임은 허가가 되지만 강력히 권장하고 있지 않습니다. 만약 실내 사고 모임을 갖기로 결정하였다면 다음에 안전수칙을 꼭 지켜야 합니다. 최대 25명 혹은 최대 수용인원의 25%만이 허가됩니다. 모두가 온전히 백신 접종이 되지 않았다면 언제나 마스크를 사용해야 합니다. 참석하는 모든 사람이 완전히 백신 접종을 마치지 않았다면 먹거나 마셔서는 안 됩니다. 다행히도 캘리포니아와 LA 카운티에서는 다른 주나 커뮤니티에서 볼수 있는 증가율이 없습니다. 이 죽음의 바이러스의 확산을 막기 위해 모든 일을 하고 있는 거주민들과 사업체 분들께 감사드리는 바입니다. 우리는 계속해서 공공장소에서 마스크를 쓰고 꼭 다른 사람들과 거리 두기를 유지해야 합니다. 그리고 COVID-19로부터 보호를 받기 위해 현재 사용 가능한 세 가지 백신의 안정성과 효과에 대해 정보를 확인하시고 자격이 될때 백신을 꼭 접종 받으시길 바랍니다. 감사합니다. Next briefing will be in Mandarin. Thank you. Thank you. 
住院人数及死亡人数，以及各行各业的爆发数据，以及即将四月十五号出台的新的居家令。同时，我们也会更新，也会更新疫苗接种的进展及洛县内男性的死亡率以及低较低的疫苗接种率。先让我介绍一下。大家知道，今天的数据会因为周末时报的缘故会略低。很不幸，今天又有三例死亡，这样洛县的总共死亡人数就达到两万三千四百七十九例，其中两人年龄介于五十到六十四岁之间，两人都患有其他疾病；另外一人年龄介于三十到四十九岁之间，这人没有其他疾病。我为失去亲人的朋友默哀，并为他们送去我们的爱心。我们今天有新添病例四百一十一例，这样总的新添的总的新冠病毒的病例达到了一百二十二万六千一百九十一例，其中包括长滩市的五万两千四百七十九例和。帕萨蒂纳市的一万一千一百六十九例，目前现有住院人数四百七十一例，其中百分之二十四的病例住在 ICU。我们已对四千九百六十九个大型住宅和非大型住宅进行了调查，这些住宅区中有至少一例新冠病毒病例。其中九九十二个仍然在调查中，四千八百七十七个已结束了调查。机构总病例为九万七千九百九十八例，其中四万零六百八十三例为居民，五万七千两百二十四为员工。洛县已有超过六百万居民进行了新冠病毒测试，并上报了公共卫生局。累计的重阳率达 19% 截止4月4号，今天的病例在七天平均值为400较自一年前的疫情开始时还要低。去年的4月4号，该数为606例。病例死亡人数及住院人数， 3月份今天的病例。住院人数及死亡人数均有下降。一个月前的3月4号有657例新添病例，到了今天的这一数字下降了 38% 达到403例。住院人住院人数也下降了更多，达到了 56% 之多，从3月4号的 1,335 例，到达了4月4号的538例。过去的一个月，死亡人数下降了 84% 从3月4号的每天的51人，到达了4月4号的每天8人。很显然，随着重启的进展，与他人接触的机会越来越多，我们必须保持我们所有的防护措施，这样才能保持新冠病例不至于增加。自去年冬季疫情最差、最糟糕的时期。大量爆发的新冠病例以来
爆发的病例已急剧下降，这与疫苗接种是有直接关系的。去年十一月二十二号，工作场所、办公室、仓储、建筑场地及其他非食品场所等等的爆发数为一百五十九例，到了二月二十八号，这一数字下降了，到了六例，到三月份略有增加，三月二十八号达到了十一例，而无家可归的地点。在去年十二月十六号，有三例的宝宝。令人欣慰的是，到了三月二十八号，这些高风险的地方的爆发率下降了，只到了两例。去年十二月六号，食品场所的爆发数达到了顶点，达六十二例之多。仅十二月的第一个星期，学校就有四十七例。之后，这两个部门的爆发数一直呈下降趋势。到了三月二十八号，学校仅五例，而食品部分则没有新的爆发。在宗教、消防及第一脊柱部门，到了三月底没有新添爆发。爆发数的降低反映了社区传播在下降，以及更多的人接种了新冠疫苗。看护场地的爆发，在看护场所类似的下降也出现了，如医护中心、熟联。护理中心、长期看护所以及群居场所，在上述地方，去年十二月份就有两百一十二例爆发例子，到了十一月，到了一月底，这一数字下降到了二十八例，而到了三月二十八号，这一数字则降为零。去年十二月高峰期，首领护理中心有九十二例爆发，同时在医院透析中心及院外护理也有九二十九例爆发。而到了三月二十八号，首领护理中心则没有爆发。在上述各各地，居民和护理人员几乎都注射了疫苗。我们要感谢所有在些在这些接种疫苗的场所的工作人员。疫苗的更新，四月四号总共接种了五百一十万支疫苗，其中三百。三十万为第一针，一百八十万为第二针。从这个星期四开始，所岁以上的落选居民都可以开始接种。MyTen 平台将星期三将会更新相关的资料，这样到了星期四，所有十六岁以上的落选居民就可以注册了。十六岁和十七岁的青少年只能接种辉瑞。疫苗，所以只能在提供辉瑞疫苗的场地注册。十八岁以下的人不能注射莫德纳和江山的江山的疫苗。在受灾严重地区，在过去几个星期内提供疫苗的小组可以为整个家庭一起接种。接下来的时间，我们会继续这样做。男性。男性同胞的死亡率较高。我们的资料，我们的资料显示了男性或女性死亡率的区别，并以族裔背景做了细分。让人不安的是，男女之间的呈阳性区率的区别不是非常大，分别是每十万人一万一千八百六十六，这是女性的。而男性的是每十万人一万一千三百三十
，而显示的死亡率则如下：女人每十万是一百五十三人，而男人男性的死亡率则超出了女人的一倍，达到每十万人中两百八十九人。而黑人和拉丁裔的死亡率较之亚裔和白人更高，黑人的死亡率是每十万人两百六十七。拉丁裔是每十万中四百九十，这一数字为亚裔的两倍或白人的三倍。接种疫苗的分配情况，男人尤其是有色种人种的男人因新冠死亡的风险较高，但男人尤其是黑人或拉丁裔的男人接种比非常低。资料显示，男人的接种率比女人低。到四月四号，洛县只有百分之三十的男人接种了至少第一剂，而有。大约百分之十四的女性已接种了，已接种了至少第一剂，而黑人、拉丁裔等接种率更低。到了四月四号，黑人只有百分之十九的接种率，而拉丁裔只有百分之十七的接种率，这是第一剂。相较，还有百分之三十五的亚裔和百分之三十的白人接种了第一剂。对更易于死亡新冠病毒的男性，我们。要更努力的让他们知道，远离高风险去接种，让他们接种，提供更方便的的途径。对目前三种疫苗的安全性、有效性都应该清楚的给他们提供。各社区、各家庭都应该让他们的社区的男性知道接种疫苗的重要性，而。让他们知道去哪里接种，尤其是有色人种的男性。星期六，我见到了一个父亲，他把自己的两个成年男孩带去接种点，我有机会和他交流。他告诉我，他尚未接种，他认为为孩子们接种十分重要，而他自己则没有那么重要。我很担心这位男士，就像他担心自己的孩子一样。我们应当让社区的男性都知道，接种疫苗是保护我们自己及相互的一种有效的方法。我们再次要求企业业主为员工提供接种方便，包括支付接种疫苗所花的时间、每周的分配。这星期有一十三万九千八百七十剂疫苗作为第一剂，一十八万三千六百。剂作为第二剂，全县有三百九十五个接种点，总计有三百二十三十二万三千四百七十剂分配到洛县。这一数据不包括联邦政府直接拨给县属的药铺及非马接种点，也不包括州政府把拨派给跨县团体的疫苗，其中有超过三百疫苗接种点提供了并非有限分配的疫苗。这星期我们分配的疫苗较上期少了近八万剂，只是主要是因为从江省的江省的疫苗只只有一万九千六零六百剂。我想提我想提醒大家，尽管我们收到的江省的江省的疫苗少，但其有效性较做辉瑞及某单呢，其预防性、关于住院或死亡的有效性是一样的。与辉瑞或莫德纳不一样，江森的江森
只需要一针的注射，因此非常方便。接上了 Johnson Johnson， 在接种两星期之后就有效了，而接种辉瑞或 Moderna 的要等到五到六星期之后才有效。这星期有近百分之二十三及七万五千剂疫苗分配给了联邦许可的位于受灾区严重的健康护理中心。在七个县首的大型接种点有六万六千剂疫苗，而洛市的市六个接种点则分配了五万八千剂疫苗，药店会接种两万六千剂，而移动接种点会接种三万三千剂疫苗。有限的疫苗供应仍然是限制疫苗接种的主要因素。现阶段落线接种的能力为七十三万四千剂，超过我们所有的疫苗的一倍。现结现属的接种点的转换，这星期落线将其管理的两个接种点会转换。下星期天即四月十八号，摩苏三点将会关闭。这样，摩斯山就可以接待更多的客人。下星期一及四月十九号 ，College of the Canyons 接种点和 Don Palmdale 的接种点将会开启。这两个点都不需要预先注册，每天每个点可以提供两千剂的接种。位于东洛杉矶的 Al Serena 将会在明天结束，随后转移到 Eugene Dragon Park。从星期三及四月十四号开始，每日将能提供两千剂疫苗的接种。在此，我们感谢莫苏山的的拥有者和诺市的公共管理局，他们给我们提供了方便。我们一直致力于增加重灾区的接种点。这星期，诺县总计有七百零九个接种点。此迄今为止最多的，其中两百六十六点六个点分布于重灾区，其中一百零二个接种点是联邦政府资助的新运行的接种点，由医院、药房、联邦授权的医护中心、社区诊所、市属、县属、联邦政府所属以及跨县团体所属的所有。我们感谢你们的工作和努力。移动接种点，这星期移动接种点的重点是六十五岁以上的老人，包括重灾区。其中九十五部移动接种点将会在老年居住点、宗教团体所属的地方。对重灾区、对行动不便的居民，这些移动。接种点尤其重要。关于新的居家令的更新，对新的居家令的更改，从四月十五号开始，居家令将会对室内聚会活动、私人聚会等做相应的更改。星期三，我们将会在网上公布新的居居家令。从星期四开始，路线将允许室内活动，但必须遵守相关的规定。其中一，只限于周内的居民必须预先购买入场券。第二，除了限定的就餐点
场内其他的地方不允许吃，也不允许喝，必须一直佩戴口罩。除了就餐时，每个家庭之间应相距六尺，除非都已完全接种疫苗。与室外活动一样，公司必须为员工每周提供新冠病毒检测。对可容纳一千五百人的地方，最大的容量是百分之十五或。两百人，取其相对少的值。但倘若每个人都注射了疫苗，这可以增加到 35% 的容量。对可容纳超过 1,500 人的地方，最最大容量是 10% 或200人，取其少值。但倘若每个人都注射了疫苗，则可以增加到 25% 的容量。私人聚会，四月十五号后。有关私人聚会，客人必须预先预定好，预先买好票。第二，一直佩戴口罩，除吃喝时。第三，如果客人没有注射疫苗，那么桌椅之间的距离最少应该是六尺。没有注射疫苗的，预设最多六个人的聚会，每一桌。的上限，不同的私人聚会之间不能有交集。对室外的私人聚会，最多人数限制在一百人。当然，如果客人都注射了疫苗，这可以增加到三百人。每桌客人的数量不得超过六人，不得超过三个家庭，除非都注射了疫苗。只有所有的客人都注射了疫苗的情况下，才能举行室内室内聚会，而最多不能超过150人。私人性的社交和交流聚会的相关规定也会同时出炉。室外聚会最多是50人，一直佩戴口罩，除了吃喝时候外，桌椅之间的。间隔距离至少六尺，每桌不得超过六人，而且最多来自三个家庭。如果每个人都已注射疫苗，每桌人手就没有限制。再次强调，所有新冠病毒症状，如果有新冠病毒症状或者新冠测试为阳性，那么他们不能参与任何聚会，可以举行室内私人聚会。但我们强烈建议不要举行室内私人聚会。如果你一定要举行室内聚会，请遵守以下规定：第一，不得超过二十五人，或如果有容量的地方，不得超过容量的百分之二十五。除非每个人都注射了疫苗，否则都要被佩戴口罩。除非每个参与者都完全注射了疫苗，否则不能停过。提供吃的喝的。感谢上帝，在其他州县经济病例上升的时候，洛县的居民在尽他们的一切所能来控制这一致命的病毒。与你们一样，我第一次看到了希望。正因为如此，我们更应该遵守一些防护措施。我们绝不能放弃任何防护防护措施。请大家在公共场所时佩戴口罩。
，与其他人保持物理距离。请留意现有疫苗的安全性和有效性，这样在你注射疫苗的时候，你就会有格外的安全感。This concludes for today. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health podcast. <laughs>